Paul Valley, he's Zach Goodman. This is the Bat Around coming to you on a beautiful Saturday morning here in Baltimore, mm. and it's even more lovely because the Orioles won a baseball game. <laughs> two wins on the year. They've scored exactly two runs in both of their wins this year. I'll tell you, though, Zachary, uh, and actually before I tell you, I just want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the the Batteron. This show brought to you by the Batteron, yeah. It's brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. That's bpdrecruit.org. Paul, I could see you as a police officer. Uh, I can't. I could see it. I have too much of a checkered past to be, to yeah. be to be a uh, <laughs> to be a police officer. You could do. I don't know, I don't know man. I, I think like you can't have ever like partaken in nature's grass or something like that to, to, to be a police. <laughs> Na- nature's grass. So, That's so, one way to put it. Na- nature's grass. I guess mm. all grass is nature's grass. That, that would be true. But na- na- not turf fields. Yeah, that's not nature. Yeah, but it's grass. Yeah, but it's, but it's not, just not nature's grass. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, Orioles baseball. That's not, two, it, two and five. I don't. I don't think it's considered grass either. <laughs> no, I think it's just I, I considered know. turf. It, it's. It's. I love turf fields. I'm a turf field guy, over regular grass. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I just had to put that out there for everyone who was curious about Zach so, Goodman liking turf fields. That's it. I think we all. Eh, I don't know. I, it's, I can't make a blanket statement. Do we all like turf fields? I don't hate them. True hops. But anyway, uh, yeah, the Orioles. They won a baseball game last night, two to one. The good. The team had ten walks to nine strikeouts. Uh, Jordan Lyles, five and a third innings pitch, six hits, one run, two walks, four Ks after kind of a dud his first starting. Guys, we told you that this was gonna be this was gonna be kind of his mo. Yep, a bad one and a couple of good ones and another bad one. It's like every other. Yeah, and that's what it's gonna be a lot. Well, of times. I don't think it's even every other. I, Maybe I, I, every think, couple, yeah. I, I think it's really more like a two two out of three sure. situation. I expect him to go out and pitch well again his next start and then fall on his face the fourth start. We'll mm-hmm. see. Um, uh, the bullpen. Absolutely outstanding. Yes. Five and two-thirds innings pitch, one hit, zero earned runs, zero walks, nine Ks. You know, I meant to figure out what the team bullpen ERA is. Um, I can try to figure that out. If you can figure that sure. out. Because I was up doing the payoff pitch super late last night, and the payoff pitch around the league is, of course, when we do our out-of-town scores. And that keeps you up super late on oh, yeah. a Friday night. And I, I could barely I, – I, the late games I didn't even get to. Uh, I finished all the games that were completed, and then I was like, I got to go to bed. I was dying. Um, but the bullpen has been absolutely phenomenal. And the entire pitching staff as a whole has a 319 ERA through seven games, albeit it's a, yeah. small, it's a small sample size. But the entire team's pitching to a 319 ERA. Uh, Hayes and Robinson, also Hayes, Robinson, Torino's two hits apiece last night. That's the good. That's the good in the game. The bad in the game is that they did strike out nine more times. They lead the major leagues in strikeouts, I believe, with 77 through seven games. Seems accurate. Which is awful. Yep. They went one for 15 with runners in scoring position last night. These guys are getting guys on base 
at a pretty high... They're walking a ton. They are. I, I, I clearly think that was an emphasis throughout the spring training and, and maybe even the offseason. Obviously, they weren't really allowed to put programs in place, but maybe they said right before the lockout, hey, guys, work on your plate discipline this offseason. It, it's different. I mean, you're, you're yeah. seeing Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes. And, and Anthony and, Santander. And Santander and Mateo, another guy who strikes out a lot and doesn't walk a lot. You're seeing all of these guys get on base at a, a much higher clip because they're just they're being way more disciplined at the plate. It's nice now, to see. The, the team on base percentage is only about 309, but that's also mm. because the batting averages aren't very high. Right, right. But these guys, they, in the last five games, they've walked 30 times. Yeah, they've walked that's amazing. 30 times. 10 walks in one game against the Yankees who aren't, right. they're not a great pitching team. No. They're not an awful pitching I mean, team they, they either. They faced some good arms last night. Yeah. Loizaga is a very real arm. Yeah. And no, they, 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 they had a good game off Loizaga. Uh, uh, we know Miguel Castro. He's got, sure. he's got a good I didn't even realize he was with the Yankees. Yeah, he was traded. Uh, the Mets needed a lefty in their bullpen, so they uh, made that trade and, and sent Castro over for a lefty there. Yeah, I, I, they've got they've got good arms. And case in point, the Orioles were 1-15 for 15 with runners in scoring position, yeah. and they struck out nine times, but they did walk ten times. Who else are 6-70 for 70 with runners in scoring position this year? <laughs> with... God, I can't even count the strikeouts. It's a I, lot. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of strike. It's, it's I believe it's over thirty. Yeah, and, and the more reliable guys from last year, especially Ramon Arias, is a guy that was really good with runners in scoring mm-hmm. position. Has not come through for them yet. But we're you know it's it's seven games into the season, and yeah. I don't want to make, make any too many harsh judgments. There's, but we we know that this team isn't good. There's 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 gonna <laughs> be there's gonna be a game where they go like seven for thirteen. With runners in sure. scoring position, and they score like twelve runs. They have a they have a game every year, um, and it, I believe it was against Cleveland like two years ago in twenty nineteen. Because it was in June of twenty nineteen. I remember I was on vacation. I was watching this, and they scored like seventeen runs back to back against Cleveland. It was, it was twenty nineteen, which was three years ago. And correct, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still living in the past, guys. They um they were we- one of the games they were wearing their Maryland sleeve jersey. Yes, yes, and they won both games thirteen to nothing. I was thirteen. It okay. is the only time in Major League history that mm-hmm. a team has shut out the same opponent on back to back days by a score of at least thirteen to nothing. Yeah, it was the only time in Major League history. So uh, that abysmal team that lost 108 games still setting Major League. And, and that's what I expect more of this year. I expect some of those games where they'll they'll throw up thirteen runs or fifteen runs, and they'll look like the greatest team you've ever seen. And they'll hit with runners in scoring position. They'll shut out pitching wise, and you'll go, okay, there's some future here. You know, this guy's doing this, and this guy's doing that, and you'll get excited about it. The next night they'll come out and, and get shut out eight nothing. Yeah, and that's just the way this team is. Yeah, it's it's there at the beginning of the. I mean, it's still the beginning of the year, but at the yep. very beginning, what I was noticing was guys who were taking too aggressive of at bats with guys on base pressing, yeah. trying trying too hard to do too much. Yeah. Um, and it, it was quite evident. Now, I still think they're doing the same thing. I think that's the story of Cedric Mullen's season so far. Yeah, it, it, he's... Pressing. 13 strikeouts and 30 at-bats. Yep. And he had he had those back-to-back games where he had the two-run single in, this, in, the, in the home opener. Yeah. And then he had the Grand Slam the next day. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking... And, and the, the double off the wall. that was yep. almost a home run. Yep. And you're sitting there and you're like, all right. Mm-hmm. All right, Cedric's back. Mm-hmm. He's not back. No. He's not he is really struggling. He has struck out yeah. twice, at least twice in every game but two. Yeah. Uh, he's not back. He's still pressing. No. He's still struggling. Look, you see the glimpses. Sure. This ain't Cedric Mullins of 2019. No. Right? It's not it's not the guy that went that started the year 6 for 64. That guy wouldn't have hit that grand slam. No, no way. No. But you can tell he's his, like you said last week his swing decision. Oh, it's horrible. It, it, it's very poor. He's swinging yeah. at a lot of pitches. Now look, 
when he struck out against who was the guy that was pitching last night that uh, that threw that that filth, the ninety nine uh, mile an hour fastball. It wasn't Lecky, was it? I don't know. I, I, I Miguel Castro throws ninety nine. Could have been him. No, it definitely wasn't, no, it Miguel, wasn't Miguel. It definitely wasn't Miguel Castro. But he's up there, and it's a. It's I, I believe it's a two it's a two one count. Uh huh. Or it's a two zero count. It's a two zero count. And this pitcher, the, the umpire strike zone last night was absolutely terrible. It was. Bad. He had no idea what he was what yeah. he was calling from pitch to pitch. The um, Cedric Mullins is up in the count two zero. There's a pitch that's outside the strike zone called a strike. There's another pitch that's outside the strike zone called a strike. So now it's two two, and this dude throws one of the nastiest pitches I've <laughs> ever seen in my entire freaking life. Yeah. It starts out down the middle and it breaks so hard outside that it ends up being a ball. It might and, and, it might have been Lecky because Lecky does have a really good slider. And no, no he was a, it was a righty. And oh, okay. It, and it broke. Okay. And it broke right. I don't know. Uh, it was either a two seamer or a cutter. I don't know what the hell it was, but it was ninety nine miles an hour on the outside corner, wow. and Cedric just flailed at it. He had no chance. That nobody in baseball, yeah. Juan Soto, Shohei Otani. I'm talking left handed batters because it was mm. in the right right handed batters box. No hitter in baseball could have hit that. Speaking of Otani, also off the slow start. He had two uh, home runs. Just like Cedric. Night. Did he? I didn't see that. I was yeah. I was actually at the Orioles game, yeah, yeah. so I wasn't really following wait, uh, wait, wait, baseball. Wait, wait, wait to be about it, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> Got to be up on this stuff for the bat. Yeah, no, um, that, the pitch was absolutely filthy. So I can't hate on Cedric for that at bat. However, he has poor poor swing decisions yeah. throughout the year. Again, yep. 13 strikeouts in 30 at bats. That don't play. No. That don't play. No. Um, it, he'll write the ship. Yeah. Austin Hayes, he had two hits last night, but before that he was like two for twenty mm-hmm. or two for twenty three or something like that. Like couple and, walks though. Couple, good, good and, and he hit he hit into some tough luck. A, l- a little, couple hard line drives. He got caught. Yeah. These guys are gonna turn it around. Sure. You know. You and maybe Hayes started to turn it around last night, but they're gonna turn it around. Yeah. Um, and these things have a way of evening themselves out. You know the 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 great bullpen with a bunch of guys who you've never heard of before. <laughs> yeah, no. That's going to even out. Right. Going six for 70 in with runners in scoring position, they, they, right. maybe they go 20 for 70, their next 70 at bats. Slightly better. Position. You know what I mean? So, right. I, like, like you said, it's all going to even out. I mean, CNL Perez is not going to be shut down all year, and Brian Baker is not going to be shut down all year. He's not going to strike out Aaron Judge like he did last night. I mean, these things just, they're going to all collide eventually, and, and the Orioles are going to get better at some things and worse at other things. And it's a 162 game season. This you, is a long time. You listened to what everybody was saying last night all the broadcasters, the mm-hmm. managers, the, the people. People watching, a lot of people think this was the best game of the Brandon Hyde era. A lot of people think this was a. I don't know how a two to one game where your team goes one for fifteen with runners in scoring position. Can yeah, be the, I, yeah, I think that's a little. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. But they were all saying to a man, "This is the best pitching they've ever seen from the Orioles in the Brandon Hyde era." Which, which, uh, so far, from what we've seen from the Orioles, I would say this is the best pitching staff they've had. I would, I would agree with that. Well, so far, we're seven games in. That could so, be. So, I could say the next something different next week. I don't so, know. So far, um, and they're not. Let's also keep in mind. Well, the the Rays are a good hitting team, and yeah. the Brewers the Brewers are not. The Yankees oh. are. The, now they yeah. do this t- two out of. God, how, how sweet would a sweep be? Uh, be of pretty the amazing. Be pretty after amazing. starting one in, after starting one and five, and the yeah. Yankees come to town, and they're like, "Oh, I, it's so funny to me when their fans get on Twitter <laughs> and they say this series has to be a sweep." Imagine. What's going on in their minds right now? Oh, I'm sure they're they're not very happy. They're, I mean, it, it's funny because I was at the game last night and there were so many Yankee fans there. Mm-hmm. And there were 32,000 fans of that there, game last it, night. It was a good crowd, very good crowd. So I'd love to see it, even uh, if it is do. mostly Yankee fans. You want to see a packed house? Every pop up they hit, 
in any field pop-up, the Yankees fans explode. They think the ball's like, you know, going onto Utah Street or something. Every single pop-up, it's they just explode. I mean, it's I, not just Yankee it, fans. I, I, I went to the game. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I went to the game the night before on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Not the night before. I went to the game on Wednesday night. The Brewers game, yeah. And there were like ten thousand fans there, mm. and every pop up, every fly what, what, ball. What do you watch? The outfielder, not the ball. Right. That's that's the rule. I got fooled on a double off the wall. Oh, that's different. That's I got different. I got fooled because the guy hit it, and everybody's like, "Oh!" And I'm looking at it. I'm watching the trajectory, and I'm like, "Cedric's gonna catch that." Yeah. And then I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait." And I didn't realize he was playing Adam Jones depth. Yeah. Where he was he was so far in. <laughs> yeah. He had no shot at it. But generally, if you there's a fly ball off the bat, sometimes you can tell, but other times just look at the outfielder. Right. The, the, oh yeah. You can tell by their reaction what what this ball is gonna do. But that's yep. besides the ball. What we haven't even talked about yet is how the Orioles won. And the Orioles won on a walk off walk. Walk. You love to see it. I bases mean. <laughs> bases bases loaded. Uh huh. You don't. Lo- you would rather see them get a hit. I would. I would too. It's a very anticlimactic win, right? But when it's a Roldis Chapman on the mound, who is an all-world scumbag piece of garbage, um, and then you see the catcher get so mad on a pitch that's clearly a ball, mm. and Aaron Boone gets so mad on a pitch that's clearly a ball, and I love what Kevin Brown says. He goes, and Aaron Boone just got tossed from a game that no longer exists. <laughs> Uh, like he's like, I think he's gonna follow him down the tunnel. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? If you get tossed from that game, if you get tossed after the game's over, that makes no sense. You should be tossed from the next game. That's what it should mean. I guess. I mean, you're not really tossing him from anything at that point. You're right. tossing him out of a em- go hit the showers em- an emptying ballpark. <laughs> that's right. basically what it is. Like, go enjoy with the rest of the players in the locker room and and suffer over this loss. I mean, that's about all you can do. You can't and- really manage the team because there's. They're not playing anymore. Yeah, the, the, you don't get to talk to your team after this game. You're <laughs> out of here. Go to All your right. car. I, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, what you have to love about the walk-off walk mm-hmm. is Arias was down 0-2. Yeah. And then he worked the count, and he got uh, four straight balls. And he gets walked. Arolis Chapman standing yeah. on there looking like an idiot because he's an idiot. And I don't have any <laughs> qualms saying that. If you put your hands on a woman, you're an idiot. Uh, also, just an, an all-world piece of trash. Um, so anytime that the Rawless Chapman is on the mound, befuddled at how he just gave up the game-winning run. Like, if you ever watch him mm. when he's on the mound and he gives up a, a walk-off home run, especially in the playoffs, mm. he always smiles. Oh, yeah, he does. He always smiles. And he'll lick his lips, too. Because he's nitty. <laughs> because he thinks that he's so good, yeah. that he's so untouchable, that he's so otherworldly with pitching, mm-hmm. that... Nobody can touch him. Probably so not, that, not a lot going on upstairs. So, so, so when they do, when they do hit him and they mm. do, they do score runs off of him. All he can do is smile because he's like, "That didn't just happen." It's like he doesn't believe it just happened. He's like, "Yeah, I get to try again." That I threw 105 in 2013. I'm, I'm a god. Is basically yeah, th- what this that, guy is. That doesn't count. You're gonna let me do that again, right? Like, get, get that ball back from that fan in the stands, 417 feet away, and let me try this again. Yeah, it doesn't count. Well, there's the famous clip of him in, in the Astros series at, from a, from the playoffs a few years ago, where he was licking his lips and smiling. I, I think it was Altuve, maybe Correa, one of the one of it, the Astros. Oh, it was definitely, it was definitely Altuve. Altuve had a homer off him, um, and he's just like smiling, standing there. And he's like, here, like, sticks a glove up. Like, yeah. Let's, let's just throw another pitch. Licks his lips. It's weird. It's let, weird. Let, Go watch it if you haven't seen I, it. I, no, I've, I've definitely seen it. Oh, I know you have. I'm just saying to, to the viewers. Um, 
Yeah, you got to love it. And, and, and Aaron Boone, and look, I get it. The umpire was terrible. The uh, the home plate umpire, yeah. what was his name? I don't even know his name. I no know, idea. I, <laughs> Did not pay attention to that. Because he shouldn't be here. Um, there were pitches, one pitch to the next. It could have been the exact same location. One time it's a ball, one time it's a strike. Yeah. And Cedric Mullins is a perfect, uh, was it Cedric Mullins? Perfect example. Uh, he's at the plate. Two pitches are clearly out of the strike zone. And he calls them strikes. Yeah. Then a pitch that's, uh, then a pitch that's in the strike zone. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Brian Baker was pitching, and two balls that are clearly in the strike zone. He calls them balls. So it's two zero. Then on two zero, he throws a pitch that's six inches off the plate, and he calls it a strike. And you're sitting there, and you're like, and even Ben McDonald goes, ah, the one that was actually outside the strike zone is the only one that he called a strike here. Yeah. It, it, it was so egregiously bad. It, it was laughable. It was absolutely laughable. Anyway, Orioles pick up the win. Ramona Reyes drawing the game-winning walk. Again, 10 walks from the team last night. That's what you like to see. But again, 1 for 15 with runners in scoring position. Yeah. That ain't good. I was looking for an umpire scorecard, by the way. Uh, not been released yet, but if it comes out on this on this uh, show, we will talk about that. I haven't seen any of those umpire scorecards yet this year. Yeah, it's it's an account on Twitter called at Ump Scorecards, so okay. they're they're good. They they have a lot of uh, data behind that. It's always interesting to see for me. And, I've and seen them in the past, and they they, yeah. they have like the three worst calls, the three best calls. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely seen. I'm them assuming in the past. those Brian Baker ones were among the uh, among the worst. But he's been so good. Even Joey Crable, who I, who was terrible for the Orioles last year. Mm. Has been really good. Yeah. Now, you, you also, how many of these guys are going to be in Adam Plutko situation where they're really well, good right. the first month and then after that they just completely. And not only apart. that, I mean, these guys are going to be gassed by June. That's just the, the harsh reality of it because the Orioles have now lost John Means, which we haven't even gotten to yet. Um, and they have a, a worsened starting rotation and they're not going to get as many innings out of the guys they're throwing out there now. Of course, you're not going to get as many innings out of Spencer Watkins as you would John Means. He's going to go three, what four we, innings. What, what, what more are you trying to glean from Spencer Watkins? There, the, what, what, are you, what are you looking at that makes you think yeah. that this guy is a major league pitcher? I think it's embarrassing. Is it because he has an arm tattoo? <laughs> like, oh, he's a cool guy. Let's put him out there. D.L. Hall is an arm tattoo, too. So, you know, that, yeah, that means they're the same. Yeah, but he's actually good. That means they're the same. <laughs> they are, they are, they are the same. That's how the Orioles view it, I guess. Uh, anyway, we, we, we got to move on. We got to move on because we got to get Stan here on, the, on uh, Stan here on the line in a few minutes. Let's move down on the farm because we haven't really talked about the minor leagues yet this season. Uh, Norfolk last night, they're on fire. 7-3. Mm-hmm. to uh, They win last night 14-7. to Kyle Stowers, 4 for 5. Three doubles. He's back. A home run, a walk, five RBIs. He's batting 533 this year with a 1917 <laughs> OPS. In 15 at bats, he has five doubles and two home runs. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a guy that lasts very long in the minor leagues. I don't think, I mean, not, not if you're, obviously that, that pace won't keep up, but he, I expect him to hit around 280 this year and mm-hmm. hit. 15 homers, 20 homers well, before he gets to Baltimore. And maybe if he, if he even gets that much time down there, I don't know. But could be a guy who hits five homers and he's in Baltimore. Just, yeah. I, well, I, the, I don't know what the Orioles' timeline looks like. The issue here is that they like what they're getting out of, out of Sondheim. They do. There. They like the defense from Austin yeah. Hayes, and they know he's going to hit. They, they lo- Obviously, they love Cedric Mull- sure. Mullins. And they're not going to bring Kyle Stowers up to be a, a fourth out. Oh, no, no, no. He's a starter. Right. right. He's, nev- he's an everyday player. Yeah. Now, so does that mean you have to wait for it? You don't want an injury. Are, are you waiting for an injury? Because otherwise, they're not getting rid of the, the, any of those guys right. until they, in my opinion, inevitably trade Anthony Santander. Well, that's going to happen. And and, and, yeah. and and for the Orioles, the hot start that he's gotten off to is so huge for them because, oh, is, because they can yeah. definitely, th- there will be a suitor. 
right. for Santander. You're not you're still not going to get a ton for him, but he's he's 26, 27. Uh, he's under yeah. he's under team control. He's a switch hitter who's a gold glo- who's a former Gold Glove finalist. Power right from both field. sides. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is a guy who you can get something for. We sure. don't know how much. But and there are teams like the like the Marlins who need outfielders and, right. and Cleveland who needs outfielders. Right. They can maybe trade you. Maybe you can get Nolan Jones. From, sure, maybe. From, oh, yeah. from, I, God, I wish I, we had Nolan Jones. Uh, this, <laughs> he's a good talent. Had, he, had a bit of a, a a worse year than last year than previous years, but he's yeah. he's certainly still one of the top well, and he's one of those guys that, that, I, that I had my eyes on mm-hmm. years ago. Sure, we were yeah. talking about tra- trading Manny Machado when we knew he was going to be traded. Mm-hmm. But so it might be that you don't see Kyle Stowers till July. Yeah, now, that's now, possible. If everybody stays healthy, that's a big if because if 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 because Austin Hayes has had a history of injuries. Yep, and Anthony Santander yep. has had a history of injuries. You never uh, and case in point, you mentioned John Means. John Means has had a history of injuries, sure. and he has another injury right now, which we didn't get to in the intro, but we are going to talk about it in the Orioles band. Okay. It's, it's something we need to talk about. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Kyle Stowers, not, not doing himself. Uh, quite the service by sure. starting out the way he has. And he missed four or five games down there after getting hit in the hand by a pitch. I think mm-hmm. it may have been actually like six or seven games. He's only played, I think, four games. Yeah, you said 15 at-bats, I think. That sounds yeah, about yeah. right. Um, and But, you know, it's good to see him come back from that hand injury and, and the short hand injury. Um, an- an- but... An- you know, that concerned me a little bit. I'm just going to say that when you get hit in the hand, that's always a little bit concerning. So I'm yeah, glad well, to see him come back and start raking. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And Tyler Nevin, everybody loves this guy. I'm not sold on. I don't love him. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm not sold on him. But everybody acts like, oh, they can get rid of the Trey Mancini. Not everybody, but people that say that we can get rid of Trey Mancini. They're like, oh, because we have Tyler Nevin. It's like not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. But he went three for six with eight RBIs last night. Yeah, he had a grand slam, a two run double, an RBI single, and an RBI ground. Yeah, uh, the the guy. He's not doing himself a disservice either. Moving down to Bowie, uh, Bowie wins six to two. Adam Hall one for three, two walks. He got three seventy five batting average. Toby Welk second straight game with a home run. J D Mundy four for four with a home run and two RBIs. Joey Ortiz two hits. In Aberdeen, Aberdeen wins eight to seven. Kobe Mayo with a double. Ramon Rodriguez two for four. Brandon Young five innings pitched, one earned run. And in Delmarva, they were the only affiliate yesterday to lose. Mm-hmm. Damn you, Delmarva. <laughs> um, they lost four to three. Daryl Hernandez uh, one for three, a walk and two stolen bases. Davis Tavares one for four with two RBIs. Um, Brandon Young, by the way, very underrated pitching prospect. There's a lot of under people talk about the, the cupboard is bare after Grayson Rodriguez mm-hmm. and DL Hall. It's not bare. There's just a, be- there's just not that top talent behind. Them, well, is what, right, uh, but, what I think those people but, mean. But how many? Farm systems have four, five. No, no top not many. One hundred arms. Not many. But I think the the difference is between the Orioles and those organizations is that the Orioles do not have anything realistically at the major league level right now besides John Means, who might get Tommy John. As we're going to talk, it's pot. It, there's always a possibility yeah, of that. I, so I, I, I don't know that many teams have more than one or two. Uh, like like the the teams that do are the teams that are going to the playoffs and winning the World Series. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Okay, yeah. it, it, it's yeah. not like we're talking about twenty five teams have three really good starters. No, like. Like eight teams no. have three really good starters and then two middling starters. Like unless you're the Dodgers or the Padres, the Padres, God, man, they just they see a guy they want. They're like, we're, we're gonna go trade for. Him. We're just <laughs> yeah. we're getting that. Sean I, yep, you Darvish, yep. And that strategy yep. hasn't exactly Ian's, been effective. It has been this year. I mean, so they're, far they're pitching their tails off this year. By the way, Manny Machado has eight hits his last two games. Yeah, Manny he, Machado. He started a little slow, and then he's been. I, I think he had a five hit game uh, two nights ago. He went five for six the other night. He had he went three for four last night. I love Manny. Oh I yeah, just, I love him. Oh yeah, I wish he were still here. But but I, I mean, 
you look at Drew Rom, Gene Pinto is on his way up, Kyle Bradish, Zach Peak, Zach Peak, um, Brandon Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there are guys that I think can be major league starters. You don't. Not everybody needs to be a number one or a number two. No, no you no. need threes, fours, and fives sure. in your rotation. If you can give me a guy who goes six innings allowing three runs, that's a four or a five who is fine for me. Especially this day and age when if a starter goes five, it's considered a thing. Like, like what the hell happened? Where did baseball go that we're okay with letting a starter goes five innings? Hey, he 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 gave his team a chance to win. <laughs> Well, he threw 110 pitches in five innings. What are you talking about? I think for the from the Orioles' perspective, five innings with you know somewhat decent pitching is a win for them. But for other teams, certainly not. I mean, I don't think the Dodgers want to be only getting five innings out of Julio Arias and Walker Buehler. No, no, absolutely. But you also have to look at where we are in the season. I'm not talking about where we are right now. Yeah. Um, because it's expected. A quick ramp up in spring training. Mm-hmm. They, that's why they gave you the extra two men on the on the roster sure. so that you can you can get two extra pitchers. Uh, but I'm talking about in July when a guy goes five innings of two hit ball and he's throwing 102 pitches and he's out of the game. It's like he gave his team a chance to win. Yeah, uh, technically you're right, but but you gave know, the bullpen a harder job too. Exactly, gotta remember that. Exactly. So. You got if, if I if I'm managing a baseball team. My guys have to be able to consistently go six innings. You have to go six I, I innings. I would agree. And I want every third start you're going seven or eight. You have to be able to do that for me. All right. Yeah, I don't think that's the way today's game is set up. But uh, unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it is. Um, guys just don't do that anymore. And that, I don't. Maybe it's it's arm care. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And that that is half the league throws ninety five plus. More than half the league, and a third of the guys throw a hundred. You know, so you're telling me there's no, there's not enough that they're not trying to manage arms because of the torque from throwing. And then you throw when you throw a 92 mile an hour slider, you have all this breaking stuff. You're throwing things where you're a right handed guy and you're twisting your hand to the right side. Tell me that that doesn't put stress on your elbow. Uh, I understand why they do it, but I also think that a guy like D.L. Hall, some of the some of the reasons why he had the issues with his elbow last year. And he even admitted, he said, I walk guys because I'm going for the strikeout. It's not that I don't have command and can't throw strikes. It's that I'm going for the, th- the strikeouts. So at times he's trying to get people to chase his pitch. But you can't tell me that the elbow issues didn't happen from him trying to throw 100 on every pitch. And that's definitely why it happened. You know? <laughs> that so, is definitely so, why so it's like you, you have four pitches that you can throw for strikes. Sure. You can take it to 97 mm. and still be really freaking effective. Yeah. If you're averaging 95 to 97 on your fastball instead of 98 to 101, uh, that you can you can be really effective. That's still really hard. You're still a flamethrower. Sure, sure. You know, and you're taking some of the stress off your elbow just by going down two or three miles per hour on right. the average pitch. But anyway, with that in mind, I want to talk to Stan because Stan, first and foremost, good morning. How are you this weekend? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Who, what pitcher are you talking about? Talk, talking about D.L. Hall. We were talking about how I, I would yeah. like to see pitchers that, if I'm a manager, my starting pitchers have to be able to give me six innings every time out. Some, you're not always going to, but you have to have that ability to give me six innings every time out. And on every third or fourth start, seven or eight. And we were talking about D.L. Hall, and the reason that his elbow got hurt last year is because it seemed like he was trying to throw 100 miles an hour in every pitch. And your arm mm-hmm. just can't withstand that if you're going to be a starting pitcher. Am I right? Uh, sounds plausible to me. Yeah. Now, Stan, we're talking about 
moving on to other things, where and the pitching has a lot to do with it. It's the Orioles, their team ERA right now, 319 through seven games. Look, it's it's a small sample size. But you have to love what you've been seeing out of the bullpen. because And the, what you worry about is that they're going to get taxed. Uh, because this is what happened last year, where they started the year out really strong, and then they fell apart because their starters just weren't getting deep. And it all comes full circle. It all goes together. But you have a bunch of no-name guys like Brian Baker and CNL Perez and Joey Crable that are just out there getting outs night in and night out. This has to be far exceeding your wildest expectations for this team. Well, uh, you know, uh, they're doing a terrific job, but you hit the nail on the head. It, it's not sustainable when they're pitching that many innings. No, it, it, it absolutely yeah. isn't. Now, the Orioles... I mean, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due that um, Mike Elias went out and Sig and found a couple of interesting arms. Clearly... That's why they felt comfortable with, um, you know, the Seltzer-Scott trade um, mm. that they felt were, were well fortified there. But I don't know how you could have looked at the starting rotation and what you had and when, you know, where you wanted Grayson Rodriguez to come into play and if D.L. Hall's healthy and if Kyle Bradish is pitching well. Prior, aside from those three things, how you could have felt that a rotation of means who gets hurt every year, okay, so to, to thought you could have counted on him for 140, 150 innings, it, to me is kind of sheer folly. Uh, Lyles definitely is a 170 to 185 inning guy. Uh, I mean, you have reason to expect that. But after that, where where did they think the starting pitching was going to be? I mean, I think in all in all due respect to Michael Elias, I think that having Spencer Watkins starting Game Five has got to be a low point of his tenure here. It, to yeah. having him starting Game Five right. of the season in his fourth season. That's pathetic. Yeah, I don't understand what more they need to glean from from the Spencer Watkins experience. What did they see from last year and from spring training this year that leads them to believe that this guy should be on a major league roster? Well, they what they saw was he w- went to work pretty hard uh, at you know one of these academies trying to up uptick his uh, fastball. But again, that's. That's if he upticks and you get the best case scenario out of him, he's like your seventh or eighth guy in the bullpen. He's right. not your fifth game five starter that you can't get through the rotation one time before you're scr- scrambling. Right. I mean, that's really it, it's you know. Well, that, and I get and I get they don't want to come out. Uh, you know, it it doesn't do them any good to come out and say, man, guys. We're really strapped for cash, okay? But that's a really bad look to to have Watkins starting that game. And then the double down on it is means getting hurt in his second start of the season. Stan, I texted Paul when the Tanner Scott and Cole Salzer trade went down, and I said, I legitimately don't know Paul, how... 
We're talking Paul Valley right here, yeah. Um, oh, oh, this Paul, okay. Yeah, this Paul. <laughs> that uh, that I, I didn't think the Orioles were realistically going to have enough pitching to get through this season in any way possible. I, I just don't see it because you, you traded yeah. away your two really most consistent relievers um, yeah. who are going to give you innings and not be pulled early from their starts and, and tax the bullpen, not from their starts, but from their outings and not mm-hmm. tax the bullpen more. And now you look at John Means getting hurt. You look at Spencer Watkins for some reason, you know, being the five starter, maybe being able to give you well, three. Dean or four. Kramer got hurt. Dean Kramer also That's did why. get hurt. Uh, but Watkins is going to give you, you know, three or four innings. How are the Orioles but, going but to have what enough you, pitching? What were you counting on Dean, Dean Kramer to give you this? Well, I, I wasn't really counting words, on much for him did either. You think his, did you think, based on what you've seen since his major league debut, mm-hmm. that he's a guy that they they could have felt comfortable counting oh. on as a, a starting pitcher? No. A- 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 abs- absolutely, no. <laughs> absolutely not. It's like in golf, just saying, tee uh, it high and let it fly. you you, you got to hit it in hope yeah. uh, with yeah. with with this situation. It's um, They were hoping that they would get more of the Dean Kramer from his first few starts yeah. in, in 2020 instead of the guy that they got for however well, I many mean, starts where, last year. Where was that a smart baseball move? Seriously. Oh. We're, 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 seriously, we're sort of a, judging – I'm giving Mike and Sig and company great credit for what the, the arms that they've picked up and assembled in the bullpen. Right. But do they deserve great credit or even any credit for what they've picked up in rotation help? Well, no, and th- they were. And, they, they and were then guys you're looking there. at two, two of the most valuable arms, and you're looking at having to ramp them up this year, where they've been babied for the last couple of years. That, that all of a sudden you're going to bring them up and they're going to be three-inning, four-inning major league starters, that, that again, is slaughtering your bullpen. Yeah. So uh, I, my advice would be go out and get three or four more arms that can be bullpen arms because you will run through these guys. Every guy. I don't know when it'll be. I don't know when it'll be, but they will be taxed pretty heavily. Every guy that's put on waivers. They're, they should put a claim in. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter who it is. You just got to get fresh arms yeah. in here. I, I just don't I mean, see how you make it I mean, it seriously, through. last year when we analyzed Tanner Scott's year, mm-hmm. what impacted the pandemic season and then how poor the starting pitching was last year? How did that impact Tanner Scott's performance last year? Oh, yeah. That he went from probably 20 innings the year before to being like 65, 70 innings but being up all the time, you know, yeah. guys, when we talk about a reliever, he threw 50, 60 games. How many other games was he up? Those guys were up and taxed. They were gassed yeah. by August 1st last year, the bullpen. Yeah, oh, they, 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 I think they were taxed before that. They, yeah. I, I mean, you, you saw the, the dramatic fall off from yeah. Paul Fry and then Tanner Scott. Because, like you said, up so much, he ends up hurting his knee, and he went from being a two-and-a-half pitcher in yep. in July to the rest of the year. His ERA balloons up close to six because of just how yep. much he was being used. It's, you're yep. absolutely right. And then you look at the guys who are performing well down there, but realistically, how much can you really expect them to help you when they get here? Look, And you, you believe that you have great arms in Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. And everything Grayson Rodriguez has done – it, 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 at Norfolk this year, proven that ha, has been phenomenal. Yeah. Proves that he stuff wise, he's probably yeah, major league ready. He's a he's a he's a potential beast. Yeah, he, he's probably major league ready. But the, five five innings pitched, and he only throws sixty seven pitches, and they pull him out of the game. And I get right. it; it's it's just his second start. But 
If he's at 67 pitches, why not let him go out there and throw 13 more pitches, get up to 80? I really want to see this guy throw a 6 or 7. I really yeah. I mean, we haven't seen it yet. And, and that's to your to your point, Stan, that they're, they're babying these guys. How much can you really expect out of them when they aren't getting the opportunity to stretch their arms out uh, yeah. a little bit further? Yeah, I, I again, everything Grayson Rodriguez has done throughout his career is terrific. But, but again... When you're talking about having an ace starter, how do how does he adjust? How does he work through facing hitters the third time? Right. Okay. Because right now he's facing the lineup once and a half. That's kind of what he's done. So right. these guys aren't getting a uh, part of the lineup. Probably doesn't even bat twice against them. And certainly none of the hitters hit him three times in a game. That's where I want to see. How is he when, when he's facing hitters three times? Because that gets you through six and a half, seven innings. Yeah, right. right. No. Six, six and a half. That gets you through the seventh inning. Right, and that, that and we have we have no reason to believe that he can't do it, other than the fact that he just never has. Right, they, they, right. Exactly. and it's not his fault. Exactly. They've ne- they've never they've never let him do it. Right. But what we have seen is he went four innings his first start, sixty one pitches. His second start, he goes five innings, sixty seven pitches. You mm-hmm. can see a slow ramp up there, and I think that they know yeah. that they're going to need this guy probably for the bulk of the season this year at the major league level. And another, and they're probably going to need Kyle Bradish, and they're going to need DL Hall. So it's just a slow ramp up. And Kyle Bradish just got to Norfolk after having to start uh, stay down in Sarasota to get his innings up. Same thing with DL Hall; he hasn't gone to Bowie yet, but they're going to need a lot of innings out of these guys, and they got they got to figure out a way to ramp them up and ha- how to ramp them up and how to get them here. Um, but look, Stan, doesn't matter how well you pitch if you can't hit. And the Orioles right now, they're getting on base. They're not doing much else. One for 15 last night with runners in scoring position. They are six for 70 with something like 35 strikeouts with runners in scoring position this year. I have never seen anything like this. Is there anything that you remember in your 40-plus years of covering the Orioles that has been remotely like this? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there have been times where... For a seven-game stretch, it's been that bad, but it's it's been awful, awful yeah. to watch. I guess yeah. it's more noticeable because it's the start of the year. If this was a yeah. swoon in yeah. July, you wouldn't think twice about it. You'd yeah. you'd notice it, yeah. but yeah. it's the start of the year, and it was what hampered them last year. They were second worst in all of baseball, batting two thirty-two with runners in scoring position last year, and they're not even batting a third of that right now. Right. It's just been bad. Now, they do get that win last night. Ramona Rios gets the walk-off walk against the um, against the Yankees and against Aroldis Chapman, which we were all happy to see, especially with Chapman on the mound. And I do have to say, Stan, the, the team has walked 30 times in the last five games. It mm-hmm. seems like, the, the, and Zach pointed this out, like maybe they made that an emphasis in spring training and during the offseason, like we need better plate discipline, we need guys who are getting on base. They walked 10 times last night. Yeah, um, I'm sure that's something that they have emphasized. But uh, by the same token, the strikeouts are there yeah. at, uh, at terrible, you know, terrible numbers right now. Yeah, no. uh, it's just an offense that uh, you know. Again, it's going to be a, a far different offense two years from now when guys like Colton Kowser and and Kyle Stowers are in the lineup. You know. Stanner, are you familiar with the stat uh, weighted on base average? I've heard it uh, like 
run it by me real quick. So it's basically the quality of contact plus strikeouts plus walks. That's how they calculate it. Don't ask me how they actually make these okay. numbers, but they calculate okay. it, and you come out to a number. Um, Santander is actually, unsurprisingly, I guess, leading the Orioles right now with a weighted on-base average of 467. Uh, in the bottom of it is Rubio Dodor with 265, Jorge Mateo at 283. There's some guys that are well. I mean, these are really bad numbers. These are way, way below you know major league average and way below. Like, where what's they should a good be. weighted on-base average? Uh well, I mean, around like the upper three, the upper threes is where you want to be. And Santander, and, that's that's interesting. And he's at Santander 467 right has now, yeah. a 465. 467 right now. Um, 465. Yeah. and that that would be considered a, sort of elite or very high. That is very very high. Yeah, that is that okay. is excellent. Um, I, and my eyeballs seen, haven't my eyeballs haven't seen been trained yet for weighted on base. So, uh, so he, he looks like he's been um, like an almost like an anchor so in, the, in this lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he definitely has been good. But my point of this actually was no. I'm saying just the opposite. <laughs> my eyeballs have been telling me that he's not doing much. Ah. And that's interesting that he's doing. What's he? What's he batting on regular on a batting average? I think he's and on base percentage in the three hundreds at the moment. Um, his his okay. on base percentage leading into the Yankees series was something like uh, six sixty seven. He um he his on base percentage was six sixty seven. Yeah, he he had a good start to the year. Yeah, he's um, he's walked okay. six times already yeah. this year. Okay. So my, my question was actually about Rugno Dodor, because if you look at a stat called expected weighted on-base average, which actually mm. uses more mathematical terms to to really put out what they, you know what their expected on-base average should be, and, and Rugno Dodor is by far, by far the lowest of all the Orioles at 203, which is mm. absolutely putrid. That's terrible. Um, mm-hmm. and, and have you already seen enough of Rugno Dodor? You know, you look at the numbers, you look at some of these advanced statistics, and they all say that Rugno Dodor is, is still a bad baseball player. Have you seen enough already yeah. for seven I may not know what weighted on base percentages or weighted on base averages, but uh, I've I saw enough of Rufnetto during the last couple of years. You know, uh, yeah. I follow these things clearly not as closely as a Mike Elias or Sigmadol. Um, my guess is they thought they saw something in him that they said, well, first of all, price tag, yeah. you know, that he would want to come here. So that's number one, sure. because nobody else was going to be sort of, you know, you didn't see like the Tigers and the Royals and the Indians going after him. Yeah. You know, you saw the Orioles going after him. My guess is they felt that he could be part of a, with the, with the fact that Mateo and Urias aren't durable players yet, where you know you can count on them for 140 games, that they thought Odor was a good player that could sort of, play some a little bit of third base and some second base against right-handed pitching. That was that's my sure. guess what they expected to use him for. Uh but as as it's not surprising he has certainly not exceeded anyone's expectations. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I, I and I was I was surprised to see him get three straight starts um after opening day and then Calvin Gutierrez has basically become a non-factor on this team. And his at-bats, he's 0 for 7 this year, I think, with four strikeouts. Why did he start on opening day, though? That's the confusing thing to me. Because they were facing facing a lefty. Oh, you're right. Right. Because they were were facing a lefty, and they weren't going to bat Odor against that. But they... um, and you have to look at the fact that Arias and Mateo don't have a track record. You know, they they, they barely they barely they've never played a hundred games in a season. Uh, and when they did, when they got close to that last year, 
they ha- they ended the season with injuries, like like you said, mm-hmm. Stan. So these are guys that don't have track records. At least Odor has proven that he has durability. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's ball a party. decent. He's a decent defender at second base. So you know, I mean, do they have any stardust in their eyes that uh, they certainly were going to unlock something and and get that on base percentage like to three over three hundred? I mean, this is a guy the last three or four years. His on base percentage is like in the two sixties and two seventies. Am I right? Yeah, I think more like two eighties, two nineties, but it's still not. But his, great. but his but his batting average has been like one eighty to two ten or something like that. Right. I mean, he's just really one of the worst offensive players in baseball over the last three or four years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. His big his biggest hit of his of his recent career was punching. Jose Bautista at second base. That was his biggest hit. Right. Yeah, he had um his last his his last four seasons, like four full seasons, he had on base percentages of like two eighty six, two eighty four, two ninety one, and uh, this year it's something like uh. Like, I mean, that's like a whole. I used to complain seriously when I want to win a championship. I complained that Adam Jones, that the difference between Adam Jones and Frank Robinson was like you know eight hits. And 15 walks a year, and you're Frank Robinson. But right. Adam Jones was what he was. He was a 315, 318 on base percentage player. And I used to complain about that, that that's the kind of players we had. This is like a quantum leap backwards in in sort of what you're aspiring to do. Right. Uh, it's just, it's it was a mind-numbing decision to me to pick the guy up. Well, and it, it, trust me, I never understood the st- signing. I still don't understand the signing. But what I yep. do look at is that a lot of these guys are basically placeholders, and I, I think no, there's no there's no question about it. Yeah, and, and no question about it. I think, and I think I accurately said why he was here on the first go around. We're sort of talking way too much about Ronaldo, yeah. but I think it I think it had to do with the lack of durability. With Mateo and Urias, yeah. and and that they didn't have like Vavra, Taron Vavra hasn't, been, you know, he's been a big disappointment to them. He hasn't grabbed anything, you know, uh, and that's been a disappointment. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he got he got hurt last year. <clears throat> I miss. I think he hurt his back last year, and he he missed the majority of the season. He's off to a right. good start this year. He's he, right. he's hitting something like two ninety six. He's getting on base. He's stealing okay. bases. He's off to a good start this year. So I think they well, he would that. be the guy if 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 Vavra was was playing well and healthy at Norfolk. He'd be the guy, and we'd see Odor. You know, goodbye, Roofnet. Yeah, and I I, I I think that as soon as somebody snag uh, takes a hold of uh, gets hot like a Terran Vavra at the minor leagues, that's when you're going to see them up yeah. here, and you you'll see Odor <clears throat> showing the door. Uh, no yeah. pun intended. Uh, before yeah. we let yeah. you go, another uh, durability thing. Adley Rutschman, we were told two to three weeks. It's now been five weeks. It was. It's been five weeks in a day since he strained his triceps. He's still not playing in any games. He's he's throwing. He's hitting. Um, but they haven't uh, brought him back up to Norfolk to to play in any games yet. They keep saying he looks great. But Stan, when a two to three week injury becomes a five to six to seven week injury. Is there reason for concern here? You think they're just slow playing him to make sure he's one hundred percent before they bring him up? Um, I really can't speak to that because I, I I don't have a long enough track record to know to know how truthful uh, Elias is about things like this. This yeah. this is a little bit alarming to me. Yeah, you know, I, I would say no it's been five is weeks. It, he has is played. it something? 
Is it something more? Is it something that the shoulder isn't right and they're trying to get that right? Because this this shouldn't have been. This was a tri- supposedly a tricep injury, correct? Yeah, tricep strain. I mean, that shouldn't be a, a five to seven week injury. You know, you wouldn't so, think. Now, of no. course, now that we're talking about it with concern, they'll probably announce later today that it'll be in Norfolk on Tuesday. You right, know, right, right. Because right. that's how it goes. That Stan, would be pleasant. Yeah. You got. I do. I do believe. I honestly, though, do believe that if he had come into camp and not had any physical problems. I believe he would have been on the opening day roster. I, I, I've, oh, yeah. I've heard from a few people yeah. that that was 100 percent the plan that they yeah. that they were yeah. gonna, he was going to be the opening day catcher. Stan, in fairness, again, in all fairness to Mike, because I try and paint the the accurate picture, they have not gotten one bit of good luck uh, on anything. That's you know. true. That is absolutely yeah. true. They they need some balls to bounce their way for sure. Hopefully they get yeah. that later this year. Uh, Stan, yeah. you got Steve Johnson coming up on Monday, and then the uh, stadium, Maryland. I also the- have I also have Steve Johnson. I'm doing with Ross Grimsley at two o'clock. We adjusted our schedule because Steve teaches. You know, he his optimum baseball performance. He's teaching. Uh, he, he's heavy from four o'clock to eight o'clock. But at three o'clock, I'm going to solo and do Thomas Kelso the uh, chairman of the Maryland Stadium Authority talking about these new leases and these new these new bills that just passed at the end of the week last week. Yeah, no and that's that's super exciting because that's that, that was kind of the final step before getting to a new lease for this yep. team, right? So yep. for uh, both teams, for yep. both the Orioles and the Ravens. Exactly. Yep. Putting a ton of money into these yep. teams. Stan, always a pleasure, man. You have a great weekend. Right. Have a great, have a great Passover. Week and we'll talk to you O's. soon. Go O's. Bye. Yes, sir. That was Stan the Fan Charles, who has two great shows for you every week, every Monday night. Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross had a great chat with Orioles legend Ken Singleton, while Stan and Gary called up with Jack Gilden to discuss, with author Jack Gilden to discuss his new book about Spectacular Bid. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Like Stan just said, it's a busy Monday for him coming up. Uh, at 2 p.m., he and Ross Grimsley will catch up with former Orioles pitcher Steve Johnson. Then at 3 p.m., Stan's going to chat solo with the Maryland Stadium Authority Chairman Tom Kelso about the future of M&T Bank Stadium and Camden Yards, uh, which we just had him, Tom Kelso, on Glenn Clark Radio on Thursday. And let's talk about this for a second. Um, because we have a listener, we'll call him Saul Belvedere, um, who listens to this show and is has been adamant mm-hmm. that the Orioles intentionally are destroying Camden Yards so they can move the team to Nashville. And says that they, they that they are former employees of the team who have told them that the, or that the Orioles want to move the team to Nashville. And the Orioles owners have a home in Nashville. Okay. Uh, look, a you have to have a stadium built. B all you have to do is look down the East Coast of Tampa Bay and see that they're winning ninety five to one hundred games every year and can't get eight thousand fans to show up to their games. Uh, none of the the Orioles, A, were never going anywhere. B, they just signed into a bill, I believe it was um, HB 896 and 897, mm-hmm. which is giving $1.2 billion, uh, not million, $1.2 billion to the Maryland Stadium Authority mm-hmm. to renovate Camden Yards and M&T Bank Stadium. Mm-hmm. Each, to, each stadium is getting $600 million. And what they're going to do is renovations to more to modernize the the stadiums. They're going to have an opportunity to build 
almost like a Wrigleyville type of situation between the two ballparks. You already know that they have Top Golf and all this other stuff coming on to the south of the stadium. In between the two stadiums, they're probably going to put some stuff in there that's going to be really big for the community, really big for the stadium area. Now, if if Saul wants to continue to complain, he can probably complain about the fact that it's public funding. So the, the money's coming from the taxpayers. Yeah. And, that, and, that, <clears throat> and that's what he's going to complain about. But what I, will, what, what I will say is would you rather have that or not have the team? Because it's either you right. do or you don't. Right. I, so I this is a genuine question because I don't know. Do people in Baltimore City that, that are paying for these renovations, are they is that more than they would regularly be paying in their taxes? Or is it just is it just allocated elsewhere? That that I have no idea. Okay. That that would be a great question for Tom Kelso. Yeah. Um because we didn't we didn't ask him that. I don't that's a great question to ask. But I know that one point two billion is the maximum okay. that you can ask for um on, on one of these loans. Now, the thing about these loans is that you're not going to get the loan unless they're confident that you're going to sign a lease. No lease, no loan. So they're not going to give the Orioles and the Ravens $600 million each mm-hmm. to have them go away. Sure. Right? No, no, no. So, so this is a big step forward. Uh, if, if, you, um, if you watch the, the show, The Dropout, where Amanda Seyfried plays um, Elizabeth Holmes. It's a whole thing. Uh, it's it's an inspiring step forward. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah it, 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 it's it's an ins, it's ins, That's my that's my, em, my Emily Holmes impression. Inspiring step forward. <laughs> I feel like um, you could do a good Owen Wilson. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> there you go. There um, you go. But, yeah, so th- this is this is huge. It is. Because basically what you're looking at is they're, they're going to end up signing another 30-year lease. Mm-hmm. Another 30-year lease to keep the Orioles in Baltimore for at least next 30 years. Probably well beyond that, unless sure. Major League Baseball falls flat on its face. And that very well. I have friends who think that's going to happen, but you know, neither here nor there. Uh, the Orioles <laughs> are here and there. there. They're going to be in Baltimore yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And they're going to have a great. They already have a great stadium. It's going to be a ton of renovations, ton of stuff around. It's going to be a brand new, exciting experience down mm-hmm. at, down in at, uh, the Camden Yards Athletic Facility. So it's it's certainly certainly exciting and should squash all these people thinking that the Orioles are moving. Now before we get to our first break. Zach, you have something you want to sound off on. Yeah, so... Oh, oh, oh hold on, hold on. Hold we're going to do a, a live read first. Well, what we're going to do it is... It is presented. We are going to tell you that sounding go. off with Zach Goodman is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you, Zach Goodman. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. And like I said, sounding off with Zach Goodman, brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. All right, so I want to talk about Mauricio Dubon. Uh, he is a infielder for the Giants. Who he also plays a little bit of center field too. He moves around. Pretty versatile guy. That's been in their organization uh, since 2019. He came over from Milwaukee a few years ago. He's 27 years old. A guy that hasn't really been able to prove himself much in the majors. He hasn't really been able to hit a lot. He just hasn't really cemented a spot with the Giants yet. But he has been on their team now. This is obviously his his fourth year with the team. So clearly they like him for some reason. But he only plays 50 to 70 games a year because he's a utility guy and that's what he does so this guy the other day in a Padres game lays down a bunt when the Padres are uh, are losing nine to nothing Bob Melvin comes out of the uh, dugout furious I mean just absolutely hot furious that Mauricio Dubon shouldn't be able to lay that down Bob Melvin is so hot right now <laughs> he shouldn't be able to lay down a, a bunt single in a game that the Giants are already winning nine nothing now 
this is one of the unwritten rules in baseball. We, we've heard about a lot about these unwritten rules over the past few years. You remember it from, from an Orioles perspective when Chance Sisko did it against the Twins uh, a few years ago. I believe 2018. It was 2018, it was when yeah. we thought they were still good. Right. right. And, and, and Brian Dozier was furious that Chance Sisko could ever lay down a bunt in, in a game that the Orioles were winning and all of that. And, and there are a lot of these situations that happen every year. But I think this is the stupidest thing of all time, right? Like, I, I cannot understand why Mauricio Dubon, who, who is fighting for his career, trying to make a name for himself, maybe he wants to start for the Giants one day, isn't allowed to do his job. He's a hitter. He goes up there to hit the ball. He laid down a bunny, got on base. Getting on base is Mauricio Dubon's job. I don't understand why we have to have these unwritten rules that tell us we can't do these little things because it's running up the score or whatever. He's going to go to arbitration. In a few years, he's still pre-arb eligible, but he's going to go to arbitration in a few years, and they're going to look at his batting average and all of those archaic numbers, and they're going to say, you know... I hate the people... Uh, well, it's not archaic, but it's it's just not like the, the advanced... They still use these RBIs and, and home runs mm-hmm. and, and batting average in the in the arbitration process. Scoring runs the getting, and, and getting base hits is how you win baseball games. It, it's, right, not, it, it's not archaic, and it will never be archaic. Well, okay, maybe the wrong, just, wrong use of words. But it's not a bunch point. of nerds got together in a room and said, hey, we want to feel it's like we're part of this. It, but my, my point is here is that they're going to look at his batting average in, in arbitration in a few years. So why should he not be allowed to, to make himself better and to, to get this you know higher batting average and get on base? That's his job. That's what he's up there for. I don't if you're Bob Melvin, just stop, right? Like if you don't want to be losing nine nothing, don't be losing nine nothing, right? Like it's it's not Mauricio Dubon's I fault. S- I saw that in in your notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, nice in theory. <laughs> I know right, it's nice right, in theory, but but, but, but Bob Bob Melvin's not the one who's out there losing nine to nothing. It's no. his pitchers and his hitters that didn't that that didn't pitch and didn't hit, and and that 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 happens from time to time. What I will say is, if it's the ninth inning, I'd have more of an issue with this. I don't I don't have an issue with it. If, if you're if you're da- if you're down in a game, if you're up in a game nine to nothing in the ninth inning and you're laying down a bump base hit, there's really no It's his job. Yeah, no. They his job's to get on base. He's a hitter. Not n- not when you're up nine nothing. No, 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 I disagree. No. Hey, hey, hey. Nobody's telling you not to swing and mm-hmm. not to try and get a base hit. Nobody's telling you not to do that. All right, all right. Nobody's telling you, oh, just let him throw three down the middle and don't swing. Nobody's saying that. What we're saying is you're kind of throwing salt and lemon in a wound when when uh. you're when you're up nine nine nothing in the ninth inning and you're laying down a bump base hit. There is nobody, including Gabe Kapler, that can defend that. And Gabe Kapler didn't go out and yell at at his team. He was yelling at Dubon, "Great job!" And Gabe Kapler, yeah, people people, people misinterpreted. Yeah, and he, and, he, and, and he Gabe Kapler came clarified. out. And this was in the sixth inning. Yeah, we just saw the Dodgers score eight runs in the eighth inning the other day. The, Nine nothing in the sixth inning. That game ain't exactly. over. In the ninth exactly. inning, not, that game's basically over. Right. In, in in the sixth inning, the game ain't over yet. You have no idea what's going to happen the rest yep. of this game. And Kapler made one of the best points that I've never heard a manager say, and I'm so glad he said it. And what he said was, "We are trying to see as many pitchers as we can, yep. so that we can tax them and have a better chance to win tomorrow." Sure. Yeah. All right, I, I know. I'll, I'll, it's, it's Nobody can argue with that. No, nobody can argue Bob with that. Bob Melvin is one of the best managers in baseball. Mm-hmm. He can't argue no, with he that. he can't argue that. It's an excellent point. No. They're, they're trying to see more pitchers and they're tr- so that they can have a better opportunity to win the game the next day. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm 100% okay. If it was the ninth inning, I'm not okay with it. Mm-hmm. I, I still think it's his job. He's trying to make it. Sh- no, it, no, it's your job to go up there and try to put the – and, and hit. Yeah. And hit. Bunting ain't hitting. Line driving the books, though. <laughs> it's a line driving Bun- the books. Bunting ain't hitting. 
and bunting in the ninth inning, up nine. Go ahead and play and, and play in a baseball league. Well, and have I, your, ha- and, I play and, baseball th- th- for a while. <laughs> right, right. You don't play anymore. No. Go ahead and play in, mm-hmm. on a baseball team. And in the ninth inning, when your team is up nine to nothing, if your team is up six to nothing, go ahead and lay down a bunt and see what both teams say to you. I, n- n- and, and tell me that when you're in the situation, yeah. that you would have the gall to get in the batter's box and lay down a bunt. But it, but it's his career. My point is, it's, it's, no, his it, career. it's pathetic. This is what in, he's getting in, paid it, to do. It, it's you're getting paid. Nobody's telling you to give up your bat. You're trying to get on base for literally no reason. If it, 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 when you're up nine nothing in the ninth inning. With it, Two different things. In the sixth inning, up 9 nothing. I get it. In the ninth inning, and I'm telling you, man, you're saying it from an outside perspective. There is no way that you would yeah, feel comfortable I, going into a, in a bat in the ninth inning, up 9 nothing, with laying down. A, you would not feel comfortable with it. I know the type of person you are. You would not do it. And if I saw I you do it. I what that means, but. You, no, <laughs> it means you're a good dude. Yeah, I, I, just, you, I just think that. You wouldn't do it. I'm telling you right now. But also, you I wouldn't be getting paid. Zach, I wouldn't in the be ninth, getting paid in, in the over five hundred thousand dollars to do in that. The, in the ninth inning, mm-hmm. it's pathetic because you're not doing anything to win the game. You're doing something to pad your own stats in the ninth inning. And that bunt single in three years mm-hmm. when you hit arbitration, they're not even gonna think about that. And if they do, they're gonna think about it <laughs> negatively. Like, what the hell was this guy thinking? It's no, I disagree. It, 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 Zach, I'm telling you right now. We, we can agree in, to disagree here. In the ninth inning, that's what people say when they don't have a better argument. In the ninth inning... I've, I've made my argument. Your argument is stupid. In I'm the, standing in, strong in the, on this one. In, in the ninth inning, bunting for a base hit up by that many runs, mm-hmm. it's pathetic. Sixth inning, different different ball game. Ninth inning, it's pathetic. we got to get a break. When, um, when we come back... Press box is on. Matt Kremnitzer is going to join us. Just want to remind you that the bat around is brought to you today by the Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. You can bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks. Open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Plus, join Press Box's Glenn Clark and the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel for the first round of the NFL Draft on Thursday, April 28th. They'll help you make some money betting the draft, and they'll have great giveaways for you throughout the night. Guarantee your spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportsevents at sportssocialmd.com. We got to catch a break when we come back. Matt Kremnitzer here on the Battle Round. Hey, O's families, break out your orange and black for kids' opening day on April 17th when the O's take on the New York Yankees. Be one of the first 7,500 fans, 14 and under, to receive an Orioles pop-it toy. And after the game, kids are invited to take to the field and run the bases like the pros, all presented by Wise Markets. Plus, experience a family fun day at the yard with caricatures, the Easter Bunny, and more. Celebrate the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards with kids' opening day. Buy now at Orioles.com kids. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley. 
and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me, and great talking to you. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Happy to talk with you guys. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Back here on the bat around hour number one in the books, hour number two brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. That's bpdrecruit.org. Joining us. Live now on the bat around, uh, he he writes for Press Box about the Orioles. He is Matt Kremnitzer. Matt, good morning to you. Thanks for taking a few minutes for us today. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing really well. We've been trying to we've been trying to talk to you. You've you've got kids and you've got a busy schedule, so we understand that. But we're finally glad to get you on here, um, Matt. You've been able to provide a bit of levity. Uh, to, to being an Orioles fan with your sa- sarcastic and tongue-in-cheek Twitter posts, is that kind of your way of coping? Because I, I know when I'm when I'm pissed off, I'll be I'll be surfing Twitter and I'll see one of your posts is very tongue-in-cheek and always gives me a good laugh. Yeah, hundred um, percent. If I was serious all the time, uh, I mean, some people you know take what I write hundred percent serious and they're asking me questions like confused about what I'm saying, but. Like if I wasn't able to joke about this team, especially over the last few years, I don't know if I'd I'd make it out and still be a fan. Yeah, it's 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 been certainly difficult, and with that in mind, it hasn't been the best start to the season. We didn't expect greatness, though. Last night was pretty great. Uh, are you one of those as long as they beat the Yankees kind of guys, or is it just another game for you? 
Uh, kind of both. Like it, it's always amusing. One of the things that I like to do is after they beat the Yankees, just to go see, you know, pissed off fans for the Yankees. Some of the, some of the comments seem to be more amusing, you know, than some of the other fan bases, but, um, I, I do enjoy that they beat the Yankees, but at this point, like you, you'll take any win that the Orioles can get. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you on that one. It's so funny. No matter the time of year, it could be the first series of the season. It could be the last series of the season, both teams out of playoff contention. And you'll you'll see the Yankees fans saying, this needs to be a series sweep. I saw that so many times. And then they lose the first game. It's, it's, it's certainly satisfying, to say the least. Um, now, the team has actually been a bit surprising for good and for bad. Through seven games, the team ERA is 319. It's a small sample size. But isn't this the exact opposite of what we expected from this ball club? Yeah, uh, I did not think that the offense would struggle like this to start the season. I mean, we're only talking about seven games, and, you know, in a couple weeks, weird things can happen. Um, You'd like to see some of the guys start to pick it up, and and I'm sure they would say the same thing. But at at the same time, you know, the Orioles bullpen with with some youngsters in there and, and some, you know, unknown names has actually been pretty good. And, you know, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, now you mentioned the bullpen. Tanner Tanner Scott, Cole Salser, they traded away to the Marlins, and we like the return that we got from them, but it's still a tough pill to spot, to swallow. Yet Elias looks like he knew exactly what he was doing, given how the how the bullpen has performed. You look at a guy like CNL Perez, throws almost as hard as Tanner Scott, but he actually throws strikes. Uh, you, you, we know, uh, again, small sample size, you even acknowledge the fact that you don't expect it to continue, but do you think that we have some quality big league relievers in that bullpen right now? Yeah, I think uh, a guy like uh, Felix Bautista is pretty interesting. Uh, Sinal Perez uh, has also done pretty well. I mean, we're you know we're talking about mid-April. Who knows as the innings start to pile up if these guys can keep it going with their workloads? Uh, but I do think that they have some interesting arms. Um, even someone like Mike Bauman, who hasn't you know thrown much yet, you know he was really impressive in his outing against the Brewers. Uh, you know, throwing upper nineties, um, didn't always know where the ball was going. But it, it's nice to see some of their young prospects. You know, who were starting pitchers, even if they're not going to be useful starting pitchers, still find a role in the bullpen and you know find find a way to contribute. Uh, no, abs- absolutely. And you mentioned Mike Ballman. Tyler Wells is going tonight against the Yankees. I would expect to see him be the guy that comes in. Um, just if I'm reading the tea leaves, I'm seeing how they used him on opening day. I kind of expect him to be the guy that would piggyback with Tyler Wells. Do you think that's the likely scenario for today? For sure, yeah. I don't think they view Bauman, uh, at least right now, as like a, a one-inning guy. I mean, if they can get two or three innings out of him, that's great. I know they're still building up Tyler Wells, too, and you know that, that experiment is still up in the air, whether, whether that's going to work or not. Um, it's not very likely that he's going to go, you know, maybe even four or five innings. Maybe he just does three um, if he can get there. Um, so, yeah, piggybacking those guys sounds good if you, if you have enough of them who are, who are useful and actually getting guys out. No, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Now, it doesn't really matter how good you pitch if your team can't hit. The team is 6-for-70 with runners in scoring position after going 1-for-15 last night. Matt, I have never seen anything like this. Are they just pressing? I feel like you could accidentally get more hits than that with runners in scoring position. Do you expect this to be a trend that continues, or do you expect them to kind of bust out of this thing eventually? I, I think it's going to get better with runners in scoring position. I mean, it, it has to. Um, but at the same time, I, I mean, I, I think the is, you know the main issue is they're already kind of top heavy. You know, they got Mullins and Mountcastle and Mancini uh, and, and Urias at the top. Um, you know, even someone like Hayes against left-handed pitching, like those those are your main guys. And you know, really only one or two of those guys is hitting. And then at the bottom of the lineup, um, it's just not very good. They have. I think that you know the main problem is they just have a, a, a bottom of the lineup that's not very good. 
Uh, Rushman's injured. You know, you were hoping that maybe he'd start the season and, and show some promise, you know, from the catcher position. And, you know, they just need guys who are better, period. And it's not that surprising, you know, especially at the bottom of the order is just not very good. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. And you mentioned Adley Rutschman. A two- to three-week injury has now turned to five weeks and counting. They keep saying all the right things about him. Oh, he looks great. Oh, he's progressing really well. How well could he really be progressing if this injury is now taking twice as long as it was originally supposed to? Yeah, I, I just I think they're being smart by being really cautious with him. Um, maybe it was worse than we were led to believe. Um, the injury sounds kind of, you know, a little bit scary for a catcher, somewhat showing that a catcher does, um, right. you know, any, any kind of injury really, uh, for a catcher's arms. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was at least a possibility that he wasn't going to start the season anyway with the team. So, you know, they're, they're really in no hurry to get him back. Um, he would obviously help the team and, and give fans, you know, you know, throw fit for, you know, fans a bone about having someone interesting to watch while some of the other prospects aren't, aren't quite ready yet. Um, but yeah, I hope he's okay and he's able to debut. I guess in early May. Yeah, I, I, I would. I was thinking the end of April for the start of the next homestand, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be on the cards because he hasn't even played in a game yet. So hopefully early May, and I think at this point early May would be a, a bonus uh, because, like, like we said, hasn't played yet. Now you mentioned Cedric Mullins a little bit uh, a little bit earlier. Another three strikeout game for him last night. At least two strikeouts in every game, but two. He's batting 160 with 13 strikeouts and 30 at bats. What is your level of concern with Cedric Mullins? It's still pretty low right now. Um, you mentioned the strikeouts; those are obviously concerning. It doesn't seem like he's making as much contact. Uh, he's only walked but a couple times, maybe. Um, so he's not getting on base like the Orioles need him to, and like he did last year. Um, I still think he'll pick it up. Um, I never really thought that he'd get to the level that he did last year. Right. No, nobody thought that he'd be able to do that. I don't think many people even thought that he'd, you know, be able to do that again. But I still think he can be useful. Um, maybe it's just a rough start to the season. Um, you know, it, he hasn't, he wasn't very good in the spring either. Uh, I don't know how many people look closely at those stats. I don't, I don't you know, for the most part, I kind of ignore them. But um, you kind of have to factor it in. And if he doesn't pick it up in the next few weeks, I mean, I, I really think there's some cause for concern there. Yeah, I, I would you think that it would be a good idea to move him out of the leadoff spot, not for the year, but just for a little bit to kind of get him out of thinking he needs to be a table setter and let him just kind of get his swing back. Maybe move a guy like Austin Hayes, or uh, maybe even well, I, I don't really know who, know who else will profile there, but maybe move somebody else into the leadoff spot there. Maybe, maybe if he's still struggling at the end of April, um, early May. Um, you know, even, even moving him down, like how far are you going to move him? Like, even if you move him three, four or five, I mean, what are you going to put him in the bottom of the order? I mean, that, I just don't see that happening unless things go completely off the rails. Um, so I I think it's a little bit too early, but you know, if the strikeouts continue to pile up, I mean, he's not someone who can just start doing that. And that was kind of the concern with him before, you know, last season, he, he struck out a lot. He wasn't really hitting for power at all. And he has to get on base and he has to showcase some of the, you know, that home run power that he had last year. Yeah, and, and you know, it, maybe maybe he needs to lay down a drag bunt here or there, try and try and beat some things out to kind of get that confidence up to say, oh yeah, I I I can do this at the major league level. Because right now, your level of concern you said isn't isn't too high. Mine is probably about middle of the road because we saw this in spring training too. So now you're looking at you're looking at about six weeks of of Cedric Mullins kind of performing below what we expected to see out of him. 
Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing him drop down a few more bunts. I mean, I know he tried last night, ended up being a sack bunt. Um, he was so close; it was just like a less than a half step of beating that out. You know, maybe right. something like that gets him going. Um, he's such a good bunter. Uh, it's just you know with his ability that he showed last year, at least of hitting for power. You know, maybe you don't want to do that. But you know, if he drops a few down and gets on base, and you know, maybe maybe something like that can get him going. Yeah, I I 100% agree. And hopefully, uh, hopefully he gets going sooner rather than like hopefully his whole team gets going sooner rather than later because the, the runners in scoring position numbers are certainly eye-popping and not in a good way. Another thing that's eye-popping and not in a good way is it's another John Means injury. Um, he had the shoulder issues each of his first three each of his first three seasons. Now he has left forearm tightness, and he says something he's never felt before, never experienced before. How does this impact his arbitration hearing, and do you think that this means we see a guy like Kyle Bradish sooner rather than later? I don't know if they would uh, move up the timetable from what you know what they think for some of these guys. Uh, we might end up we might have ended up seeing Bradish, you know, maybe later this month or in May. I'm I'm not really sure what they're thinking. Um, I know they like to see success at each level of the minors, and I know they like to be cautious. Um, so you know, maybe um, I don't know if they'll really push anything with any of the prospects just because means went down. Um, I think the big issue, is, the bigger issue, is that they didn't do more in the off season to bring in a couple more arms. Yeah. Um, you know, Jordan Lyles is fine. They they needed someone like that. They probably needed another guy like that. And for whatever reason, they just didn't do that. They waited until spring training was just about over to you know bring in Matt Harvey. And Matt Harvey was pretty terrible last year. He's probably not likely to be any good this year. And he didn't even really do a great job of eating innings. Period. Um, so they needed someone who was more like Lyles to probably add in the rotation, too. I mean, some fans are worried about not blocking prospects, but Jordan Lyles isn't blocking any prospects. Another starting pitcher wouldn't have really blocked anyone. Right. And if one of those guys was good anyway, you could also trade them as well. Um, and also factoring in, it means he's been hurt every season. So this mm-hmm. is always, you know, the earlier concerns with him were with his shoulder. I mean, he had shoulder issues. It's never really a forearm thing, so it's different. Uh, but, I mean, there are innings to go around, and, and not every inning that goes to someone like Lyles is, brought, is blocking a prospect. No, I, I – exactly. Now, with means, he hasn't he hasn't settled on a contract for this year yet. They're still battling over that. They're going to have an arbitration hearing. Does this impact uh, his argument for the contract that he wants versus what the contract that the Orioles want to give him? And how do you think that the Orioles – how do they view him moving forward? Because there are some people, Zach had a signing off a couple weeks ago where he said the Orioles need to give him a five-year, $75 million extension, but this is four years, four injuries. What do you think his future is here? The arbitration thing, like you mentioned, like that that just throws a wrench into things. I don't really know what they do. I mean, you're, you're already arguing against your own player, um, and now the season has started, so it's even more awkward and weird than usual. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly how that's going to happen. Um, I mean, they probably will use the injuries against him. Uh, you have to argue against your own player in some way to try to keep that number down. Uh, in terms of long-term, like, I don't think they're going to sign him to a long-term deal. Um, I, don't, I didn't think it before this season either. Uh, I think that if he started the season really well, I, I think that they would have considered moving him. Maybe not. I don't know. I think they'd consider moving anyone uh, within reason at this point. Um, I, I don't know what he what's going to happen now. I mean, you can't really trade him if if he's injured every year. Is there a team who's going to want to give up anything substantial for him? Right. Um, this was supposed to be a big year for him, and I, I hope he doesn't end up being lost for the season. Yeah, and part of next season, if he has to have Tommy John surgery, it's certainly yep. not not good for him or for the Orioles at this point. Grayson Rodriguez is a guy who could take that spot in the rotation. He's been picking uh, he's picking up in Norfolk where he left off in Bowie last year. Two earned runs, 15 strikeouts, one walk, and two starts covering nine innings pitched. 
Five innings, 67 pitches his last start. Um, there were a lot of people that thought, well, why not have him go out there for the sixth inning and ramp up to 80 pitches? This this is just kind of a slow play with him to get him back into things. I, I think they have big plans for him for this rotation for the bulk of this year. What are your thoughts on Grayson Rodriguez uh, as we stand right now? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they were overly cautious with him last year because of what happened in 2020. So you you can kind of understand that. Um, I would like to see him start ramping up soon, like you mentioned. So maybe it's just a slow play uh, to try to get him through the season and build more innings. Uh, I have no negative thoughts, really, about Grayson Rodriguez. I can't wait until they bring him up, you know, whether it's in May, whether it's this summer, you know, probably more likely June or July. Um, it's going to be exciting to watch him play. I don't know if it's you know, going to be fair to expect him to be, you know, an ace or even a great pitcher um, from day one. But they just need that excitement. They need they need those young guys to be good. Like it's it's a lot of pressure, and it's it's going to take more than just a couple guys, right? But yeah, uh, it's just gonna it's just gonna be fun to watch him. You know, be able to face major league hitters and hopefully, you know, get up to the you know sixth, seventh inning and and just produce. Yeah, Kyle Stowers, uh, his North his Norfolk team his Norfolk teammate, excuse me. He's back to absolutely destroying baseballs down there. He had the, he got hit by a pitch in the hand. He was missed about four or five games. Three doubles and a home run last night. Five RBIs. It's good to see after a tough spring where he was likely pressing because he kept batting fourth in all those games. He's batting 533 with a 1917 OPS, two home runs, seven RBIs, and five doubles in just 15 at-bats. How much of an impact do you think we see from him in Baltimore, and when do you expect to see him? I know it's. I was. T- we were talking earlier on the show, and it seems it would have to be an injury or a trade before he gets here. Yeah, that seems most likely. Um, I mean, Santander is is the guy who's been the best at the plate for the Orioles right now, so it would be no surprise to see them try to move him while he's healthy in, in the next few months. Uh, so maybe he, you know, maybe someone like Stowers slides in there. Um, even Hayes, you know, Hayes was, was good last year, especially in the second half, but I don't know if he's someone who you can really rely on as like a, you know, a middle of the order bat. He's probably someone who goes, you know, toward the bottom of the order. He, he can help you in the outfield, but you know, you could see Stowers getting at bats there, or even if the Orioles end up moving someone like Mancini. Um, a lot of these guys are in the same boat where, I mean, honestly, you could bring them up in the next couple of weeks, or you could bring them up in the summer, you know, June, July. And you know you you can make a case for each or either one of those things. Um, I'm excited about Stowers. I don't know if he'll be, you know, a middle of the order bat uh, from day one. I think there are things to like about him. There's also you know a lot of the same concerns that these guys have with, with swinging and missing. You know, he's a swing and miss guy, yeah. but he does have power. Um, I'm excited to see him too. You know, hopefully June or July, and he can stay healthy. Uh, Matt, I think it's safe to say that we're going to see a lot of roster turnover this year. That The roster that we're looking at right now is going to be far different from the one we see the second half of the season. I know that we're all that we're all excited, and with that in mind, do you think that this is kind of just the, the final year for true evaluating what they have, and then next year they start to turn the, turn the page towards trying to put a better on-field product out there and maybe to start to try and win some ballgames? It has to be. Um... There was a strong argument to, you know, them adding one or two significant pieces, if possible, this season to, you know, you know, help guys like Rushman and Rodriguez and, you know, Mullins and, and Mountcastle, the guys who are already on the team. And, you know, you don't you don't want the cover to be bare when you when you bring some of those guys up, um, your top prospects. So right. you, you could have made a really strong case. And I thought they should have. Uh, this offseason, whether you you know believe the Carlos Correa stuff or not, I mean there were other players out there that they maybe could have gone stronger for. But 
there is no excuse next offseason not to try to add significant talent to the team. We just can't keep doing this every year where it's like, uh, it has to be all the young players, right? Or anyone who's already on the team. Like you, you can't, you can't just keep doing nothing. And uh, the, the roster should be talented, at least from a young player perspective. Um, but there's lots of holes on the roster. There's, there are areas where they need help. Um, I, I really hope that they, that they do that. Yeah, no, I think they're going to need to add a legitimate free agent uh, relief arm. I think they're going to need to add a, at least one or two starting pitchers for the rotation. For the, and guys that are actually good starting pitchers, not these Matt Harvey, Jordan Lyles types. Somebody that can actually go out there and be a number three starter for you. Uh, I, I agree with you. I've been saying since last year, bringing Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez up to the big league club, you can expose them to the brand of baseball that we've seen in Baltimore the last three or four years. They've got to come to a team that is close to being to being ready to compete, in in my opinion. So I think you and I are on the same page there, and it's nice to hear a guy like you uh, say something like that because I think that we can take that um, with more than a grain of salt because people value your opinion a great deal. Uh, Matt, what can we plug for you? What do you have coming up? Uh, nothing writing wise. Um, you know, my, like you mentioned my kids before. I mean, it's it's you know right in the middle of little league season and everything right now. Um, but I, I'm thinking of a couple things maybe for the next few weeks or months. Um, otherwise, it's just on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on on Matt Kremnitzer if if you want. All right, absolutely. I think it's a great follow. People should be following you, Matt. Always great to talk to you, man. Good luck with your uh, kids' little league season. We will talk to you hopefully soon down the road here. That sounds great. Thank you, guys. All right, take care. Bye. That was Matt Kremnitzer joining us um, first time in a long time. And what I said to him, I 100% mean that. A, people should be following him because I love his posts. His posts are always tongue-in-cheek. They're always sarcastic. They provide a great bit of levity. I can't tell you how many times I've been pissed off about something the team is or isn't doing. And I look and I see one of his posts and it puts a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a he's a funny guy, and his writing is outstanding. He formerly wrote for the uh, for the Athletic, so you know he's got talent there. And if he sits there and he says to you, "This has to be the last year that they do this," oh, it does. Then you know it has to be. Mm-hmm. It, it, to me, Matt saying that is the same thing as John Mioli or Dan Connolly. And, and, and I'm not putting him in the same echelon as them, but I trust his baseball acumen and his Orioles knowledge enough to say. If this guy says it, then then you got to believe it. This has to be the last year that they do this. It absolutely has to be. So thank you to Matt Kremnitzer for coming on and taking a few minutes for us on a Saturday morning. I know he's pretty busy, but maybe no bait, no no little league uh, with it being Easter weekend. I want to say something. My wife sent me a text message, and she was right. And I have to uh, I have to correct myself and apologize to my co-host here um, for. <laughs> I, I kind of bulldogged you a little bit in, a, in, in, in our argument about bunting in the ninth inning. Well, I don't know what the term and, bulldog and means. I, 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 I said to you that uh, agreeing to disagree is just something people say when they don't have a better <laughs> argument. And my wife said, no, saying that is when the other person is bulldogging them and they just want it to be over. And that may have been what you were doing. Maybe it wasn't what you were doing. But for me to call your argument stupid, uh, for me to, to downplay your opinion, uh, my apologies. Your opinion is valuable. That's why you're in that chair. That's why Accepted. you're here. That's why you're here. I don't think good. I don't good. think you take it as personally as she as she knows that I get. I I, did, I didn't take it personally. I know you, I know you didn't. Um, I when people do that to me, it, and the other thing is you. Well, I, I I love arguing baseball as yeah. much as anyone 
in this world. And so you, you and I, you and I, I consider us friends. We golf together. Yes. We're, we're going to the Orioles game together. Yes. You know, I consider us. Fr- you've come over to my house to watch football. Exactly. So I consider us consider us friends. So when when we have these arguments, it's friendly banter. Yes, it's friendly but, banter. When we have these arguments, it's different because you and I are yes. friends. It's not like I'm having an argument with somebody else who I barely know, or I'm only a uh, professional colleague with not malicious. Yeah. It's uh, Laura. I appreciate the concern. <laughs> no, but, but but she's right because that's something that I that I tend to take personally. If it's not a friend, sure, yeah, yeah, if right. it's a friend, say whatever the yeah. hell you want yeah. to me. You Get in a fight I mean? with a Yankees fan at a at a game tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> may, may. Paul, Paul, Paul might take up some Yankees fans and say some things he, he shouldn't. Once I've he- got a story to tell you off the air. Okay. Um. That my my. My my best friend Adam, you you've met him. You, yeah, sure. He was at the house. He came to watch football. Yep. Uh, I went to the game on Wednesday night with he and his dad, mm-hmm. and um, his dad has all these crazy stories. And he, he, I, <laughs> dad, his dad was a nice guy. Yeah, dads. What they do is they tend to recycle stories. Mm-hmm. You have a father. I'm sure he's he's told you the same story a hundred <laughs> times, right? So my yeah, yeah he he can do that a few d- times. Dads tend to recycle stories, but he told me this one story that I've heard before, but he didn't elaborate as much as he did this mm. time. I can't say it on the air, but it happened at a baseball okay. game, and I'm gonna tell. I'll tell you off the air. Uh, we do have to take yeah, another break, be- break before we get to the uh, payoff pitch around the league, guys. These are the final days for you to pick up the print issue of this print issue of Press Box on the cover. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's uh, 2002 NCAA tournament championship as Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led to them cutting down those nets in Atlanta. Pressbacks is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal farm stores. Go to Royal farms, pick up some chicken. I love their chicken. <laughs> it is. They, a good, they have really good food. It is really good. It's really good. It is. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at pressboxonline.com. And coming this Wednesday, a brand new issue of press box with a cover, story we know Orioles fans will love. Got to get a break when we come back here on the batter on the pale pitch around the league and Orioles banter. Baseball is back and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with NFL Network draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah, Camden Yards designer Janet Marie Smith, and Orioles top pitching prospect Drew Rom. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Week in Review feature right now at pressboxonline.com. Very good, very good. Thank you for promoting the... Uh Clear, the, the show clear, you were a, a co-captain of. Clearly, clearly the um, the secondary show on this uh, for for this company. It's a bat around is is the grand poobah. Oh yeah, of things. <laughs> Absolutely, everyone knows that. Our one day a week, two and a half hour show is is nothing. It, it, is is the superior show. Clearly, of course, of course. No, no, no. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn's such a pro, man. He is such a pro. pro. And the thing is, so I have to prepare for these shows the night before, all week before, mm-hmm. and it takes me hours. Mm-hmm. Glenn will get a guest five minutes before the show starts, and he's got a bevy of questions yeah. for him. He, he's he's a pro's pro. He's going to be doing the show with Sarita Hubbard on um, yep. 105.7 The Fan from, I believe, 1 to 4 now, starting on April 24th, so make sure you check that out. And make sure you check out uh, GCR uh, with Glenn and yours truly uh, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 12. Usually we go to 12.30, to be perfectly honest with you. As we do on the show. Yeah. Most yeah, of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Um, 
It's fun. That's why. It because is. We're, we're having fun. We're in our sports talk zone. And um, we get, and my wife said she heard the response uh, and gave me a little a, a smiley face. There so you that, go. There you it, go. Um, now it's time for <laughs> out of Paul's personal life. And let's go to the payoff pitch around the league. The Orioles' woes continue with runners in scoring positions. They went 1-for-15, but Yankees pitching walked 10 batters, including Ramon Arias, with the bases loaded in the bottom of the 11th as the Orioles walked off the Bronx Bombers 2-1. to Shohei Otani homered twice as part of a five-homer game for the Angels as they beat the Rangers by a field goal 9-6. to Nolan Arenado hit his fourth homer and Miles, is it Mikolas? Uh, Miles Michaelis, is, and, I believe and, it is. It, uh, let's start over. Nolan Arenado hit, a, hit his fourth homer, and Miles Michaelis struck out seven and six and two-thirds innings of one-run ball to help the Cardinals shut down the Brewers 10-1. to Francisco Lindor continued his renaissance season with two homers and three RBIs as the Mets beat the D-backs 10-3. to Joe Ryan gave up one run in six innings, and Miguel Snow homered to lead the Twins past the Red Sox 8-4. to Nelson Cruz and Josh Bell combined for four hits and six RBIs, and Juan Soto reached base four times <laughs> as the Nationals led from the beginning in a 7-2 victory over the Pirates. In an ode to Easter Sunday, Jesus Sanchez and Jesus Aguilar combined for five RBIs to back Pablo Lopez's five and a third shutout innings as the Marlins handled the Phillies 7-1. Vladdy Jr. bounced back from his four-strikeout game with his fifth homer to back an 11K no-walk performance from the Toronto pitching staff in a 4-1 victory over Oakland. Carlos Rodon struck out nine and seven innings of one-run ball, and the offense hit three homers to drive in all four runs in the Giants' 4-1 win over the Guardians. Sorry, Zach. Dylan Cease allowed allowed just one run in five and two-thirds innings, striking out eight to lead the White Sox over the Rays 3-2. Spencer Torkelson mashed a 432-foot two-run shot in the seventh inning to put the Tigers in the lead for good as Detroit outlasts the Royals 2-1. Top pitching prospect Mackenzie Gore tossed five and a third innings of two-run ball last night in his Major League debut, but it wasn't enough as the Braves scored three in the, in the eighth to take down the Padres 5-2. Chris Bryant collected two hits to raise his average to 379, and CJ Crone homered to help the Rockies top the Cubs 6 to 5. Marco Gonzalez spun seven, inning, seven innings of one run ball, scattering four hits, while the offense got four hits and four RBIs from Adam Frazier as the Mariners toppled the Astros. I didn't put down the final score. I think it was 10 to 3. Um, th- that was one of the ones where I went to bed before I finished uh, doing it. Uh, and then Trey Turner tripled amongst his amongst his two hits, driving in one to back a five-hit one-run performance from the pitching staff as the Dodgers beat the Reds three to one. Did you happen to catch the final score? Of that game? Uh, eleven to one. Eleven Mariners. to one. Eleven to one. All right. So today on the docket, we've got a lot of games, of course, because it is a Saturday. Starting off at 1 o'clock with the D-backs and the Mets visiting City Field. Carlos Carrasco versus the young starter, Zach Gallen. At 2 p.m., we have the Rays and the White Sox, the veteran Corey Kluber versus the hard-throwing Michael Kopech. Uh, at 3 p.m., we have the Athletics and the Blue Jays. The Athletics are off to a better start than most people would think at 4-4. Four and four. Blue Jays off to a 5-3 start. Yunjin Ryu looks to fix his bad start to the season. Another 4 p.m. game, we have Ian Anderson, the ace for the Braves, against the Padres' Nick Martinez at Petco Park. The Tigers and the Royals, the young Matt Manning versus the young lefty Chris Bubich. Uh, another 4 p.m. game, the Twins and the Red Sox, Tanner Houck versus the borderline ace Sonny Gray. He's already off to a good start this year, 3.86 ERA. Uh, the Giants take on the Guardians at 6 p.m. at Progressive Field. Cal Quantrill and Anthony Desclafani in that pitching matchup there. Ranger Suarez goes against Trevor Rogers as the Phillies take on the Marlins at Lum Depot Park. Josh Rogers, former Oriole, the lefty, takes on Bryce Wilson as the Nationals battle the Pirates at 6.30 in Pittsburgh. For your 7 p.m. games, we have the Angels and the Rangers. Noah Syndergaard makes his second uh, second start after his first very good start for the Angels, uh, where he 
He's currently 1-0 with a 0 ERA. So a great start for Syndergaard against Taylor Hearn for the Rangers. The Yankees battle once again against the Orioles. Jamison Tyon versus Tyler Wells as he makes his second big league start coming off of a really good relief season last year that we've talked a lot about on the show. Another former reliever, Steven Matz. He goes against Adrian Hauser, who did had a pretty good game against the, the Orioles on opening day, but did not get the win there as the Cardinals take on the Brewers. The Cubs and the Rockies go to battle at 8 p.m. as Mark Leiter Jr. goes against Anthony Centazella uh, at Coors Field. The Astros, they take on the Mariners at 9 p.m. as the veteran Justin Verlander takes on Chris Flexen. And your final game of the night at 10 p.m., the Reds and the Dodgers. Hunter Green makes his second career start against the 20-game winner in 2021, Julio Rios. I had to give a little flex there for I Chris saw that. I, I, I saw it out of the corner of my eye. Um... Chris Flexton is a very underrated pitcher, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And we got a great comment I want to read uh, from AJ Mukherjee. Real quick. Okay. Cal Quantrill. Yeah, I said that a little weird. His Cal Quantrill. Quantrill. Cantrell, Quantrill. I don't know. I, I always say that. <laughs> Gary Cantrell. I, I, I get my cues mixed up a little bit sometimes. I don't know. It's Kidoba. hard to say. Yeah, <laughs> Kadoba. Yeah, just call it Doba because I, I get Do- rid of the cue. Anyway, <laughs> he said, how about that wall last night, gents, holding the Spankies to one run, the greatest wall since Pink Floyd's? I think it was a pretty solid comment. I like That's that awesome. It's a good That's comment. awesome. Did they hit? Now look, I was at work for the mm-hmm. first seven innings of that game last night, mm-hmm. and I got to. I, it's so cool that I got home from work and still got to watch like four innings of baseball. That yeah. was cool. Because um, Fridays and Saturdays are a late night. Sure. Um, did they hit anything that would have been gone that was caught? No. No, but no. I, I think the only one so far that's happened like that is Trey Mancini hit that yeah. double off the wall. Yeah, he hit it, and as soon as he hit, it, I'm like, oh, he got that, and I'm yeah. like. That might not make it. Yeah, that, and it hit right off. He missed by like six inches, man. Just like yeah. Cedric against against the um the Brewers the other night. <laughs> the greatest wall since Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an amazing it's, comment. I just I had to awesome read it. Yeah. It's an awesome comment. It's an awesome comment. Hey, man. Um, <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> little uh, little hair again. Hi. Oh, by the way, you know that reminded me of something. I don't know why, but have you seen Joey Votto's TikTok? No. You need to indulge yourself in that. It's amazing. I, right. I was just watching it this morning, and he he did something similar to that voice you just used in one of, <laughs> in one of his TikToks. And he, they're fantastic. He's probably doing Harry Carey. I that, don't think that's that was that was my Harry Carey. Oh, okay, okay, I get it now. You know what I love about Yankee Stadium, Norm? <laughs> the hot dogs. The hot dogs are so good. Bad. I once ordered twelve. Dollar, but, I, but I only ate two. Because you just can't eat 12 hot dogs, Norm. You just can't do it. <laughs> $1.75 hot dogs at Camden Yards last night. That line was like around the block. It was insane. Apparently I was they had them on night. Wednesday night, too. I had no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll have them tomorrow. Maybe. We'll maybe. maybe. It, it is um, kids opening day. Oh, it is. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're doing a lot of kids stuff. Love kids, lo- kids, kids love hot dogs. Kids love hot dogs. And kids and Harry Carey. Um, they love. They, bad. they love. Rich Hill does an incredible Harry does Carey he? impression. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're never gonna talk to Rich Hill, but if we ever do, we're gonna have to get him. To, I'm sure every interview he does, they make him. He's do a it. former Orioles, so you never know. Yeah, bring him on at some point. Another guy the Orioles could have signed. He didn't sign for. I think it's it was true. like one year, three million. True. Um. Anyway, I digress. Really excited for tonight's starting pitcher. Uh, I, look, Are Tyler, you? I don't know if I am. I love Tyler Wells. I I, 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 I like I, him. I just like him as a bullpen look, piece look, more. Look, we, we we saw him struggle. At the beginning of last year, and mm-hmm. then for a, a nice two and a half, three month period, he was he was a dog yeah. out there, and I think he can do that in the rotation. And I, and I, I hope also so. I really like the fact I, I guarantee you that you're going to see him go, and then Mike Bauman's going to be the guy that comes in after him. Yeah. So the weird thing I was talking to someone the other day, and they said they made a great point to me. They were like Michael Bauman in his minor league career. I think it was 74 out of 78 games he pitched in the minors. He was a starter. Mm-hmm. So I. 
I would love to see Michael Ballman make this rotation and not have to piggyback behind a guy. Well, and what they're doing, and honestly, honestly, I think it's smart. When you call up prospects, now, guys like D.O. Hall and um, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, yeah. why would I forget that name? <laughs> guys like, like Hall and Rodriguez, those are guys that come up to the major leagues to be in your rotation. But a lot of times, um, a lot of times, teams will take their top pitch, some of their some of their better pitching prospects, and get them up to the major leagues to get them up here and, and throw right. them out of the pen. Yeah, a, a, for a year. That's true. And then they or use them in long relief and then give them spot starts here and there. And, right. I mean, and, and, and that could be what they're doing. Look, Mike Ballman in the minor leagues was nasty. He was. He was nasty, and, and he made the jump from high A to double A and got better. Yeah. And I still never forget his 97 pitch uh, no hitter where he was still touching 97 in yeah. the ninth inning. The guy's got an arm, and, and yeah. people keep talking. And, and the other thing is, people talk about him as a back end of the bullpen arm for his career in the majors. I'm not sold that he can't be a starter. I'm not sold. I'm not sold that he that, that he can't be a number four or a number five in the Orioles rotation. And sure. you have a, you have a guy that can throw four pitches and, and can touch 97 with his fastball yeah. as a four or a five in your rotation. I think you're setting yourself up for success. <laughs> that's, as long as the command is there, that's that's great. Um, I, I was saying this to someone the other day that. Great stuff. Generally, the guys who have the the great stuff and only great stuff, or they lack command and control, they're your guys you want to have in the bullpen. But obviously, you, you look across the league, and your, your guys who have worse stuff and, and better command are in the starting rotation. But if you combine the both of them, you're going to obviously be an ace. I mean, that's what you that's the the ideal thing. So we'll see what happens with them. And and I think the the same thing is is really for a lot of these Orioles pitchers. I mean, you look at D.L. Hall and, and Ballman and a lot of these guys who throw really hard. It's like, well, if the command can come there and, 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 and they can combine them, they're going to be in, in this rotation for a long time. But if it's if it's only the stuff that they have, more likely bullpen guys for the moment. Right. But as we are... Like Jorge you know, Lopez. Right, like, exactly. I mean, great stuff, but he just can't doesn't have the command to start and can't get through a lineup three times. Um, and, and you look at what Michael Ballman did in the minors, and he dominated everyone. But it's just, it remains to be seen whether he can do that at the major league level over five or six innings. But I, I just see no reason why they can't give him a shot to do that right now. I mean, you have Spencer Watkins as your five. And, and you're, I mean, I, I just don't really get what they have to lose. But you're right, a lot of pitching prospects, especially the, the highly touted ones, come up and, and start off in the bullpen. That's not exactly, I mean, Tristan McKenzie for the Guardians is a great example of that. Yeah. By, by the way, We've started Orioles banter. We didn't really make some kind of uh, time for Orioles banter. We're in it. We're, we're in it. <laughs> we're, we're in Orioles banter, guys. Thanks for tuning into the bat around. Um, you're, you're talking about the bullpen, man. And the bullpen has been so good. Yeah. So good. And uh, to a man, you've heard heard so many people last night say that's the best pitch game we've seen in Brandon Hyde. I would era. agree. And you know, one thing I'll say about Brandon Hyde too. I don't want to cut you off. Sorry, but Brandon Hyde has managed very the bullpen very very well this year with the guys he's picked in certain spots. Yeah, no, I, I I really haven't had, I haven't had too much of an issue. There was one issue that I had, um, and I was because I, I think it was overall just looking at the inability of the of of this team to to manufacture runs and mm-hmm. and somebody was somebody was was um going off about how Ryan Mountcastle didn't lay down a bunt the other day with runners on first and second and mm-hmm. nobody out and you have um and, and you're down a couple of runs. Somebody was going off to me about how Mountcastle didn't bunt, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, "He's Ryan Mountcastle. That is not the guy you want bunting. No, this is a guy. <laughs> you're down two nothing. This is the guy who can put you up three to two. Right. You know, if this is even if this is Cedric, they're not going to have Cedric Mullins bunt in that situation. Though no. I think Cedric Mullins would bunt on his own, especially with he the could. way he's going right he now. But th- that's not the guy you have bunt there. And then we saw Jorge Mateo last night trying to bunt. Um, 
and th- that was a failed. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't great. Yeah, it, it, he's with that kind of speed. Mm-hmm. He should be working on bunting every day. 100%. He should be working on 100%. bunting every day. And I find it funny that the team went one for fifteen with runners in scoring position last night, and the one hit that they got was a single, an RBI single by Jorge Mateo, mm-hmm. and he gets thrown out trying to stretch it to a double. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to say though, I wasn't disappointed with that play. No, I, I, I love the aggressiveness. I, I, I love the aggressiveness, and when I first saw it, I thought he beat it. I thought that it was, I, I thought it, it was very close, close enough that the Orioles took a look at it yeah. in the dugout, but decided not to challenge it. I love the, the guy's got world class speed. If there's anybody on this team that can stretch that hit into a double, it's Jorge Mateo. Watching that guy in person just over the past, I've been to two Orioles games so far, and just watching too. him in person, it's just ridiculous. It's blazing speed. I mean, this is a guy who really is is one of the fastest guys in all of American professional sports at the moment. This guy flies. I mean, if you if you see him in person and get out to an Orioles game and see him, yeah. this guy has, like you said, world-class speed. He is different. I support 100%. If he hits a ball down the line, just try to stretch it. I mean, that's what, you, that's what you're here for. That's what your speed does. And he can steal basically any base he wants to. Yeah, I, I, was, mean, he, I was at the game on opening day, and he gets a walk. No, I'm sorry. He had a base hit. He had a, a little bloop single in the right did, field. Yeah. He's on first base. And he steals second, and they didn't even throw. No, <laughs> and it, it, no. the pitch wasn't in the dirt. He's so freaking fast; they didn't mm. even bother to throw. Yeah, and then you see the slide home for the second run. Uh, he scores. He jumps up, and he, it, it, he's got energy. Mm-hmm. He's got energy. He's got electric speed. If the bat can, some, I still don't trust his defense. No, I don't I, either. I, 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 and just I, because characteristically, he wasn't a very good minor league defender. It's he as he, as he that. strikes me as somebody who's so fast that defensively he plays too fast. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. And you, you'll you'll see, he'll go. To, one of the errors that he made this year, he bobbled the ball at shortstop, and mm. it was a slow ground ball, and he tried to pick it up and throw it before he had it. Yeah, and and it hit off the 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 top of his glove. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. I I played baseball with a guy in the in an indoor league this year who was playing shortstop, and he had the look of a ball player, big dude, mm. it looked strong, it looked physically imposing. Yeah, and he played so freaking fast. He just kept making errors. Yeah, he kept making. You have to slow down. You you have to slow yourself down. Yeah, um, and that's what I see with Jorge Mateo. Mm-hmm. Uh, is you can be a good defender, but everything in you is so fast that I don't know that he can slow it down. And, and honestly, yeah, if I see it, and look, I'm 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 not a talent evaluator. I'm, I'm I have the eye test, and that's about it. If I see it, you know the Orioles see it, and maybe sure. that's something that they're working on with him. Yeah, but he's he's definitely got a. Got to slow that down a little bit, but yeah. Getting back to the pitching, the pitching outing today. Uh, Tyler Wells, I have faith in. He was a starter his entire career until he came here and was a Rule Five pick, and then they had to use him to win because you're not going to put a Rule Five pick in your in your starting rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mike Bauman coming in after him, and if you can get six, seven innings out of those two guys, yeah. maybe even eight. If, if both guys, I don't think Bauman's going four. I, I can see Wells going three or four, yeah. and Bauman going three. Yeah. Or two or three. We haven't seen Wells yet, correct? No, he he started earlier this year. He did. Okay. He made he made the third start against Tampa Bay. That was a game the Orioles lost eight. Oh no, I, I, sorry, I was talking about Alex Wells. Alexander Wells. Okay, yeah, yeah. um, he might come in. I, I I was gonna say I think I think today might be his day. I kind of maybe 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 you see all three of them. Maybe you get three innings out of Wells, uh, out of Tyler Wells, and then two innings apiece out of Wells, uh, Alexander Wells, and Mike Ballman. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a good guy to bring in when you have a guy like Alexander Wells. I mean uh, Tyler Wells. He's going to be throwing 97, 98 yeah. miles an hour. 
And then you bring in a soft toss who tops yeah. out at 88, Changes a lot. and a big looping curveball. Yeah. And he had a good good performance. His his one outing in Norfolk, I think he gave up one hit, no one hit and one walk in like four or five innings. Uh, I, that could be. I, I like where your head's at with that. They kind of keep the Yankees lineup off balance. Sure, and maybe try, yeah. try and win a series here tonight. And then you know tomorrow they've got the former Oriole Rule Five pick Nestor Cortez, Nestor Cortez. taking the bump for the Yankees yeah. tomorrow. That that's a game that we're gonna see. And uh, maybe, maybe, oh boy. <laughs> may, maybe the the lower velocity can help the Orioles kind of sit maybe. back and 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 remember how to drive a baseball. It's funny with Nestor Cortez because he's had a pretty successful career with the Yankees. He hasn't been great, but he's been not bad. He Certainly, was really good last year, for right? Him. I mean, he was, and and with the Orioles, he was a train wreck. I mean, this is a guy who got DFA'd in the middle of April after being a Rule Five pick, and he did nothing spring training to make the team, and then he came. Oh, it was, he was a mess for the Orioles, but he much just, better for the Yankees. He just he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. We're, yeah. we're talking five years ago, four yeah. years ago. Yeah. He just wasn't ready. He's ready now. Um, I remember my high school baseball coach, one of them, just going off about Nestor Cortez during a practice and how much he hated him and wanted him off his team. <laughs> That's so. <laughs> I don't funny. know why I remember that. I just I did. So l- let's talk a little bit here about um, about John Means. Um, look, the forearm strain. We, we we talked about it with both of our guests, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it one on one here. Um, forearm strain. This is a guy who's going to, to an arbitration hearing with the Orioles. You're hoping it's not Tommy John. You're hoping it, all it is is a forearm strain. And I've strained my forearm plenty of times and, mm-hmm. and, and, and never had to get Tommy John surgery. Uh, now, he has way more torque on his arm than I do. I'm not a professional athlete. What's your level of concern? And I found it very interesting that Matt Kremnitzer said he doesn't think that uh, he's in the long-term plans for the Orioles and he thinks they're more likely to trade him. Yeah, that was an interesting comment. I heard that and I was surprised at that. But I think... I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that the Orioles haven't heard offers for him. I guarantee you they've they've poked around a little bit and and tried to see in, in previous years what might they might be able to get for John Means. And if they were blown away with an offer, I almost make guarantee you they would have made that trade. Mm-hmm. I said the, the Orioles should extend John Means simply because he is a guy that is frankly the best starter they've developed for a very, very long time, since the early 2000s. Right. And the fact is, is that, yes, you have Grayson Rodriguez, yes, you have D.L. Hall, Kyle Bradish, but nobody's proven yet. You don't. You have a proven starter right now that's here, that's performing well. Now he's injured. That changes a lot. That changes a... I mean, I, I've heard a lot of times that forearm strains often mean that something is wrong with your UCL. Yeah. So let's hope that's not the case, but we haven't heard a lot on him. Brennan Hyde has been somewhat quiet about it, other than saying yesterday he's going to miss a lot of time. And he, he, he said a lot of time? He said a lot of time, yeah. So to me, that says they're still doing tests, maybe still trying to figure out if this UCL is is you know going to need Tommy John to be on repair. That would be a horrible, horrible situation because Tommy John's like 18 months. That's a long time uh, of who recovery. Was, who was the pitcher? And he was just here until a couple of years ago, and he's back pitching overseas again for the Yankees. He was really, he really good, really good uh, Japanese pitcher um, recently. Oh, uh, Tanaka. Masahiro Tanaka. Masahiro Tanaka. Yeah. He had a partial UCL strain. I mean, UCL tear mm-hmm. his rookie year, and he pitched his entire career with, with <laughs> that's, that. That's pretty wild. Pitched his entire career with that. Yeah. Ma- maybe it's a partial tear. Maybe something they just need to clean up. Or maybe it's just overuse and it's just cramping. I, I don't think if it was cramping... That, that it feels like it wouldn't be overused, though, because he didn't pitch that much last year. He, yeah. No, he missed half the season. So I... Uh, he made well, 26 two, starts. Missed, missed a third, I should say. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I I'm concerned about this though. I really I I it's elbow injuries are never good. They yeah. never even if it's not a full tear or you know he needs Tommy John, it's still not good. It's yeah. still your number one starting miss, starter missing all this time, and then it makes his future that much more uncertain. Yeah, and then then you want, but you also have to look at it from this perspective. They they still have what three years of team control on, on him after this year, right? Because if it, uh, it's nineteen twenty, let me check on that twenty one. So this is this is his first year of arbitration. They have two years of team control after this. Yes. So maybe yeah. he comes mm-hmm. back the second half of next year, and he pitches well, and then you sign him for a more reasonable deal. He pitches well. You sign him for he hasn't proven he can stay healthy. You sign him three four years for what thirty five forty million. That'd be way more ideal. Yeah. That, that, that's 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 way more ideal for for you. And now you have a guy who probably at that point, with the other arms that you have, slots in at four or five. Mm-hmm. And he's still really good. And it gives him an opportunity. He, he's 28 years old. If he pitches for four more years with the Orioles, four or five more years with the Orioles, he's 32, 33. And he can still go out there and get another contract for himself. Sure. yeah. Because um, uh, pitchers, pitchers have a higher shelf life generally than, than position players. I, I, I feel like anyway. Maybe they don't. Uh, I, I would good, say generally. The, the, the good ones. Yeah. You, you have a lot of guys who, a guy like a Spencer Watkins who, who brings that average down, who comes in and he'll make, he'll make a start last a few starts last year, sure. a few starts this year. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could see that happening with John Means. That's fi- trying to find a silver lining. Uh, honestly, that's the the yeah. definition of a silver lining is if that happens for the Orioles. Because right now, if Hyde said he's going to miss a lot of time and they're being real hush-hush about it, there's a good chance, that, and we're not doctors. My dad is, but that doesn't mean I'm one. That doesn't that doesn't translate. Right. Um, it's probably not a good sign. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm not confident about that at all. I'm I'm definitely concerned because again, this is the best pitcher the Orioles have produced since Eric Bedard, and the fact is is that there really is no one else in this rotation right now that you can really count on. Jordan Lyles is fine, but he's not a world beater. He's not John Means. He's not going to go throw seven innings and and you know gave up two hits and, and nine strikeouts. It's just not going to happen. And the problem is with John Means right now is that this is a 10-day IL situation right now. We know it's going to last a lot longer than that. It's probably going to be a 60-day IL. And it's probably going to be that prob- situation. Probably a season ender. Right. I mean, it's just it's beyond bad. It's beyond bad. And I, I said, like I said, I texted you a few weeks ago that I don't know how the Orioles are going to have enough pitching to get through the season. And then when your number one most reliable starter that gives you the most innings out of anyone gets hurt, that only furthers that argument. I just don't. They're going to have to make every waiver claim under the sun. As long if, if a guy has options, he will be brought in. I don't, it, it, you just have to do it. Yeah. There, there's almost no way you can make it through the season otherwise. Yeah, the, 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 there's no way. Now, we do like the fact that you're going to see Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. I'd like to see Hall get to Bowie in the next week or two. Me too. Um, and maybe he will. Uh, we talked about the roster turnover that yeah. there's going to be this year for mm-hmm. this for this team, and I, I don't think you can understate it. The team that we're seeing right now is going to look vastly different oh, yeah. In, oh, in, yeah. in a few months. When Once you get Rutschman and those three pitchers yeah. I just mentioned up here, maybe you see a Terran Bavre, maybe you see a Jordan Westberg, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Stowers, Robert Newstrom. Um, Rylan Bannon is hitting over 300 right now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's had a good start to the year. Yosniel Diaz, surprise, surprise, with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've. How does it happen so much to somebody? This guy's made of glass. <laughs> I, like <laughs> He's made of glass, and it's too bad because he was off to a really good start for the season. Yeah, and... and they didn't say it's a tear; it's a it's a strain. Seven day IL, uh, which yeah. is the minors, um, you know, the the shortest one available, yeah. and that's that's it is what it is. This is Houston Diaz. This is what we've come to expect from him. It's it's too bad because he is a you know a talented guy who looked like he had a chance to finally make his major league debut at twenty five years old, f- long time, you know, five seasons after he was traded for. 
So it, yeah, it's, it's definitely disappointing that he's again hurt. I just uh, you you were hopeful, but you're always yeah. thinking how long till he pops a hammy yeah. or strains a quad. And there we go. And happened already. And, and it's happened over two uh, not even two weeks into the season. Right. It's already happened. So speedy recovery for him, but I'm not I'm not holding out hope to no. see him. And even if you do see him in the major leagues and he gets off to a hot start here, you just know it's a matter of time before he gets hurt. Right. And, and Robert Newstrom and Kyle Stowers are both off the hot starts too. So that's you know, that's positive. Yeah. By the way, I did want to mention one thing. I don't know if you noticed this last night, but John Rhodes was playing second base uh in Aberdeen. Really? Which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. I know he did so he's he went to Kentucky, I believe. I someone mm-hmm. correct me on that if I'm wrong. But he he did play second base a little bit there in like his freshman and sophomore year, but then he got moved to the outfield in his, his draft year. But that's interesting. I thought that was with all the outfielders, as we talk about all the talent they have in this outfield right now, um, with of course Newstrom and Stowers and, and Diaz, I mean, if, if you want to include them in that conversation, and then what they have at the major league level, and Hudson Haskin is on fire right now at Bowie. Uh, Zach Watson is another one. I, I, I noticed they removed him from the game after one at bat. He, I think, I think he did get uh, hit by a pitch or something or, or hurt in some way I don't remember what it was but they do my point is is they have this this insane amount of outfield talent of course not even mentioning Kerstad and Kowser and it, seeing a guy like John Rhodes play second base is pretty notable I, I know the Orioles are very big on versatility and, and having a guy being able to play at all positions and, and Rhodes is obviously a very good athlete and, and someone mm-hmm. who's played a little bit of second base in his career so I think it was an interesting move and uh and Norby was at shortstop last night with with uh with Rhodes at seconds. That's a pretty interesting up-the-middle yeah, combination. I, I think they want to see if they can get more defensively out of yeah. Connor Norby because yeah. when he got drafted, they said this guy is strictly a second baseman. He yeah. doesn't have the arm strength to play to sure. play shortstop, and maybe they're working on that with him, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to get a little bit more versatility. The guy can hit. The yeah. guy hit over 400 like every year. We have an interesting question in the comments. I don't know if you want to answer real, this, real, but I can run Real quick, okay. with, with, with John Rhodes. John Rhodes, if you remember, his freshman year. Kentucky, hit, correct? At Kentucky. Right? Okay. He, he hit 426. Yeah. Um, and then... With with one home run as a freshman, right? Then he goes out uh, when he get he was drafted as a John Rhodes was one of those guys. He, ended up getting, he got drafted because they, they were able to push yeah. the draft back. Um, he got drafted in twenty twenty one. Yeah. After he only hit two fifty one because he hit eleven home runs, but he got really into the launch angle and all that. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's kind of reverted his swing back. Yeah. And this is a really intriguing prospect because this was a first round talent. Yeah. That the Orioles got. When did they get him? I believe the third or fourth. Yeah. This was a, this was a first round talent that they got in in the third round. Okay. Yeah. Um, that should have been a first round talent. People mm-hmm. thought that the Red Sox were going to take him. In the first round, and they they passed on him. I know the K's were kind of high, I believe, in in college, which is one of the big concerns with him. But otherwise, I mean, the the versatility is there. And um, draft eligible sophomore, I, I guess he he was probably twenty one at the time. Uh, that's you know how it works. So. Uh, John Rose is definitely interesting, and I, I I thought that was very intriguing. If we're talking about especially outfield depth and how much of it there is, um, to see one of their really. Not top outfielders, but he's kind of in the middle of the pack there as far as prospects go, playing second base last what, night. What I, what I noticed about him in spring training is he looks a lot like the ultimate warrior. <laughs> oh, you know another outfielder I forgot to mention, too, is Dante Williams, who's also off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, I'm forgetting to say a lot of these guys. I, I forgot about Kowser completely. But it just goes to the point that the Orioles have so much there, and it's 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 a very positive thing for them. And, and Kyle Stowers and, and Newstrom are obviously the two guys that we'll probably see the soonest. But it's it's a very positive thing to see what's going on in the minors right now, and everyone seems to be hitting the ball well. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's this question that you had? So uh, AJ commented again. He said, is it safe to say that Elias lost that trade where we got Kevin Smith. Now, Kevin Smith obviously was was uh, outrighted off the 40-man roster. Somehow cleared waivers. I was kind of surprised at that. Thought mm-hmm. a team might take a flyer on him. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Did they lose that trade or no? 
That was a trade that sent Miguel Castro. Yes, Miguel to the, Castro to the yeah. Mets, right? Yeah. And who's not even on the Mets? He, he's not even on the Mets. I think it's too soon to tell. I agree. I I think Kevin Smith is a guy who could turn it around this year because he he did have pretty. Uh, Bad numbers. If you look at his twenty twenty one, he wasn't yeah. great. Uh, played well in Bowie, but then once he got to Norfolk, blew up. And I think that, he had a that, seven ERA or something like that. that. That tends to happen. Yeah, and he'll get an opportunity to start every fifth or uh, every sixth day. Sure. down there at Norfolk. Um, if he goes out there and has a five something ERA this year, then maybe they lost the trade. Okay, but the fact that Miguel Castro isn't even on the Mets anymore. Yeah, and the Orioles have a potential guy who at, 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 who could help them in the ball. I don't think he has a future in, in the starting rotation. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a thing. I think he's, and he's a lefty, but he throws too soft. So he he's so far he's pitched two games for Bowie and he has a two three five ERA and seven and a th- uh, two thirds innings. So not bad at all from him to start the year. Uh, he's been pitching for Bowie. Uh, sorry, Norfolk. Sorry, read, oh, that. Okay. read that completely wrong. Norfolk, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. He needs to have a good year. That, that needless it's, to say, he, he needs to have a good yeah. year. But I don't think I think he'll get spot starts this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a guy who's part of the Orioles' future. Orioles, part of the Orioles' future as far as the uh, starting rotation is concerned. He may be a bullpen piece for them. But I expect them to go out and add to this rotation and add to the bullpen with sure. actual major league arms next this coming off season. Yeah. So we'll see. Hey, look, we gotta get we gotta get our third and final break before we come back. Just want to remind you that we can bet on sports in Maryland now, but we still can't bet online or on our phones. However, you can feel like you're betting totally legally and right on your phone by playing underdog fantasy football. We've got player props, parlays, and traditional fantasy games. They're all available. Baseball season is underway. You can try your hand at underdogs, many baseball contests. Plus, we're going to give you some free money to play with. Guys, you know the deal. You you go to underdogfantasy.com or you download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the code PRESSBOX and whatever you download up to $100. If you want to bet $0.87, cents, I don't know if you can bet that low, but we'll match you $0.87. Cents. If you want to bet $87, we'll match you $87 up to $100. When you use the code PRESSBOX, we will match you with Underdog Fantasy Football. We got to get a break. When we come back in, take to rake and final thoughts here on the Battle Round. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org. Hey O's families, break out your orange and black for kids opening day on April 17th when the O's take on the New York Yankees. Be one of the first 7,500 fans 14 and under to receive an Orioles pop-it toy. And after the game, kids are invited to take to the field and run the bases like the pros. All presented by Wise Markets. Plus experience a family fun day at the yard with caricatures, the Easter Bunny, and more. Celebrate the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards with kids opening day. Buy now at Orioles.com That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Welcome back from our third break here to the bat round and sports betting has come to Maryland and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster joins the guys every week to give you all the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stetka and Bet Prep's Brad Feinberg help you make some money for the weekend. Host you, is muted. You were muted. You were host, muted. Host is muted. Uh, take the rake. Brought to you by me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by the great Paul Valley. Uh, th- thank you. You're the only one who's ever called me the great Paul Valley. I appreciate I'm it. I'm not going to do it again then. That's uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. Uh, that, that, that's just not the name. You, uh, I can't be the only one to have called you that. Uh, I, I think my dad's called me that. But I, uh, maybe people. Maybe, well, he was just talking about himself. Maybe, uh, he may have been. <laughs> I am a third. Uh, maybe, maybe my wife has called me the great Paul Valley. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Getting into more Paul's, uh, <laughs> more Paul's personal life. Yes, pa- <laughs> Paul. What, what, what is Paul's nickname? What, is, what does he go by at home? Um, not uh, babe. Babe. Okay, I've heard her call you that before. Yeah, uh, she. That's basically all she calls me is babe. Um, I've had people call me PV three. 
My grandfather still. Yeah, I'm never that. doing that. But that's actually my favorite nickname. Really, yeah. PV3. I think yeah. it sounds weird. Well, it's like, did you call well, Robert Griffin the third RG3? I did, but well, he's people, like. People have been calling me PV3 since I was a small child. My grandfather, actually, my grandfather started calling me PVT because it's for Paul Valley the third. Um, <laughs> he's a guy who's commemorated on my arm. He died on my 12th birthday. Not to uh, oh be, no, not to be. It was also the same day that Tupac died, and everybody else was like super upset about Tupac. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> my grandfather just died. You guys suck. What year you know? was that? Like 1996. Mid- 90s? Okay, 1996. Yeah. My 12th. It was Friday the 13th. Oh wow. Yeah, it was um, not 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 a great day. Tupac's not, alive on an island somewhere, Paul. You know that. Uh, Tupac's alive out in California. <laughs> I saw a video of him standing behind a warehouse talking to people. Um, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> no, the, the, no, this was a real video. This was a real video. I don't think it was actually. It's it a real video. Any- aside from the guy in the video, was not actually real Tupac. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But people are like, I swear it's Tupac. We'll, mm, we'll yeah. have to have you look it up. Um, okay. But so anyway. Um, what was this, what was my take the right? Take the uh, right. Oh, oh, oh nick, nick, nickname. So PV three. Oh, yeah. Um, people have been. What really sucks is I had a buddy who started calling me um Paulie V. Well, but well, yeah, well before Jersey Shore was a thing. I don't like that one. He started calling me. You don't like any of my nicknames. He started calling me <laughs> PV three well before um uh Jersey Shore was a thing, and then Paulie D comes about in two thousand nine because of Jersey Shore, and it was like every everybody started calling me that. And I'm like, you have no idea. Like, they thought that he was calling me that because yeah. of Jerry Shore. It's like, no, he's been calling me this for five years. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was so disappointed. I was like, great. Now he can't call me that without people thinking Jersey Shore. There's no natural nickname for me. There just isn't. So I, I don't have one. Hey, just, D-Head. <laughs> you can call me. Wow. That, yeah. Let's not do that one. Um, but yeah, there, there's no natural nickname for How me. How about we so. call you Saul since your last name's Goodman? So my, yeah, that Saul. Yeah. That'd be a good one. I better show call Saul. show comes back in two I days. I know. It's April 18th, I think. It's right? Monday. Yeah. Monday. Yeah. It's incredible. I love that show. Yeah. Um, have you been watching Winning Time? No. The 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 story of the dynasty of the Los Angeles Lakers. I did not watch. I'm not a basketball guy, so I did not watch. Neither, that. neither am I, and it's still freaking fantastic. Still good. Uh, do you have HBO Max? I do not. Do you have HBO? Uh no. Well then, I, guess <laughs> you, <laughs> no, I guess you're gonna have to wait it. for it to come on the Netflix. Then. Yeah. yeah. It, I, I, I didn't never even watch. Will. I didn't even watch the Last Dance. If I'm being honest. What? Go. No. Go on Netflix and watch it. Just go. Do yourself a favor. It, it's it's so good. Uh-huh. You don't. Again, I'm not a basketball mm-hmm. fan. I was alive, and I was a I was a Bulls fan in the mid '90s because it was freaking Michael Jordan. What kid yeah. wasn't a Bulls fan? I heard in the out 90s? of that though. People were talking about how they hired a baseball scout as their GM at one point. The Bulls, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I don't know. I like well, that the part. Um, I like the, that point. It has something to do with baseball. Did, so of course, I like it. Didn't the Oakland Athletics or no? It was Cleveland Guardians. I think they hired um, a former yeah, a they, former football yeah guy. Hey, by the way, Chicago Bulls. I'm available. I can be your new GM if you <laughs> if you st- if you still want to take that approach. I I think a prerequisite is that you have to have at least watched the Last Dance. Yeah, that would probably <laughs> that's probably <laughs> to, to know to it know might, their history. It might be in the interview. Yeah. Um. Anyway, people don't care about this. No. Take the rake. Um. I took Jorge Mateo. Zach took Ramona Rios. They both had four hits this past week, but Mateo was four for twenty three walks, three runs, two stolen bases, a double, eight strikeouts, and two RBIs. Who on the team doesn't have at least eight no, strikeouts? They're all strikeouts. And Ramon Arias went four for twenty four with a double, one RBI, two walks, no stolen bases, two runs, seven Ks. By the skin of his teeth, Jorge Mateo pick, picks up the win. Um, we can't have we can't have a loss. We we can't. Really I, mean, do, I mean, not a loss. We can't have a tie. We can't do ties every week. That's yeah, we can't do ties every week. And, and this one was. Mateo got a base hit with runners in scoring position the other day, where yeah. whereas Arias has has been really struggling. He's been getting on base, providing excitement. He he had the better week overall, um, and the batting average was at least two hundred, whereas Arias was well below two hundred for the week. Um, so he gets the win, which means I get the win, which means I get to pick first. 
this week. And I'm going to take Austin Hayes. I think Austin Hayes is about to get hot. He, was that who you were going to take? Yeah. I'm going to take Austin Hayes. Right. I, uh, he had um, a couple of hits last night. He's hitting some bad luck this year. He's been striking the ball pretty hard. I'm going to take him to get his first home run this week and win and take the rake. I'm going to take the hot bat. Santander is my pick for this week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Stan, um, God love Stan. I don't know what I what eyes he was using to watch Santander. No, he's been on fire. He's hitting 316 with yeah. a 536 on base percentage of 565. Um, slugging percentage, he's well over a thousand OPS yeah. th- this season. He's he's off to a, he's off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Maybe the last game or so, he, he not great, but not not bad. He, he's still getting on base, mm-hmm. and he's hitting over three hundred. So, did you know that since two thousand eight, little trivia, the Orioles have only had three guys bat over three hundred in a in a full season. That does not surprise me. They've always gone for the power hitters over the guys that make a the, lot of contact. So usually their top hitter is like 290, 291. Mm-hmm. Um can you name the three guys? I bet you can I bet you you can only name one. So I'm guessing Machado didn't do it. I don't no. think he did. Adam Jones probably got close, but then again he most never of his, hit over his on base percentage season. was only you know in the low three hundreds as well. Um Brian Roberts no, he hit three fourteen in two thousand five. Mm. Okay, and what year, what years is this from? Sorry, I already two thousand eight through now. Oh, okay, that's a little too late for Brian then, because he, he was, was on no, the Yankees in like oh nine or ten. No, he was right? in the, the Yankees in fourteen. Was it la- that much later? Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just remembering Brian after, Roberts' after, career. I'm sorry, after Brian. the oh nine season, he signed a four year, forty million dollar contract okay. and proceeded to hit himself in the head with a baseball bat and concuss himself. Mark Hakis. Nick Markakis yes, hit okay, 306 one. in 2008. Who okay. was the other guy on that team to hit over 300? In 08. You're <sighs> never going to guess this. Luke Scott. I'll just throw it out there. I have no idea. Uh, no. <laughs> hit a lot of home runs. Probably not. The average wasn't there. Yeah, I, I don't. Aubrey know. Huff. Oh, God. Hit 304 that year. Hit 34 homers. Hit hmm. 48 doubles. Drove in 108. He had a really good freaking year. And there's one more? And there's one more who hit over 300 since 2008. Uh, more recent, you might get this because I said more recent. More recent. Well, you look at the best players in this team in the past. And this is also assuming, um, a, we'll say 130 plus games. Okay. Wow. This is actually kind of tough. I'm just trying to rack my brain for the guys that have been on this team. I, I mean, Hardy never got close. Chris Davis never did it. I mean, the, you know, some of your more... So I'll tell Famous you. So Orioles, I'll tell you. I, w- I was do doing it. a tidbit for Glenn Clark Radio for yesterday, mm-hmm. and I was doing something related to Jackie Robinson. And Jackie Robinson had like a three forty two career batting average. No, no, I'm sorry, a three. It wasn't. Wait, it wasn't uh, Yun Soo Kim, was it? No. Okay. No, he hit over three hundred, but did, it, was, yeah. it wasn't Hun Soo Kim, and it wasn't yep. in enough games. He played like ninety six games okay. that year. Um, but what, so when I was doing this, I was um. Like he hit like three fourteen for three or three sixteen for his career, and he hit over three twenty. If you yeah. include the Negro leagues, he hit over three twenty five times, including three forty two, which which led the league um, the year he won MVP in nineteen forty nine. And I was looking, I was like, how many Orioles have hit over three twenty? Mm-hmm. And it was can't be uh, many. Only only um only ten only nine, wow. uh, ten, nine or ten. No, I'm sorry, only seven Orioles have hit over three twenty in team history. And since 1954, and then I, I was interested to be like, who? How many guys have hit over 300 in the last however long? Yeah. And I was like, well, 
This guy did it most recently. He just did this recently. But other than him, I can't imagine who it was. Was this guy on the team for a long time, or was it a no. one-year thing? No. he was. It wasn't a one-year thing, but he wasn't here very long. Okay. So he must have gotten dealt or free agency or something. I mean, Nelson Cruz didn't do it in the year. He, he had like he was 265. Great. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, man, very difficult. This is very difficult. We <sighs> talked about him on this show. We did? He was here while we've been doing this show. Not today's show. Oh, I mean, okay. The, so this the, is this the is show. Really, the show is, in general. This is really recent, then. Yeah. VR. No, he hit like two seventy nine. <sighs> hmm. Someone really hit three hundred. Oh, Hanser Alberto. Yep, that's who it was. He yeah. hit three oh five with a three oh four on base percentage. Yeah, that's at all. I, I'm I, just kidding. But I like, was really thinking like 2014, 2012. I was trying to rack my brain on those playoff nobody, teams. Nobody, hit nobody hit over three hundred yeah. those seasons. Yeah. I, uh, Machado, I think one year hit like two ninety. Four. Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah. And, and uh, Mullins last year was over 300 all year. And then 292, I think, he, finished, he that. finished at 291. Okay. A lot of Mancini in 2019 hit 291. A lot of guys yeah. are right, right around 290, 291. But nobody, and I think Scope hit like 291 year. The year that he hit 30 plus home Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he had one year where he was unbelievable. Yeah, we was, he, he had like an MVP type season. Yeah. But yeah, so it was it was Hanser Alberto in 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. He hit 305 in 139 games, over 500 bats. Um, so yeah. All right, um, so I win. Take the rake. I took Austin Hayes. You took. Um, I took Santander. Anthony Santander. Final thought. My final thought for today. <laughs> the Orioles have been so bad with runners in scoring position, and I think they have an opportunity. Uh, who's pitching for the Yankees? It's Jamison Tyon. He, he he's a good Tyler pitcher. Wills. I think when we're at the game tomorrow. Mm-hmm that the Orioles are f- going to break out. I think tomorrow on Easter Sunday, kids get to run the bases. They're facing a soft tosser in Nestor Cortez. I think tomorrow the Orioles break out, hit over 300 with runners in scoring position, and score at least seven runs. Okay, that's your final thought. So mine is going to be on the pitching situation. And I, I think Orioles fans have suffered a little too long. Uh, I, I think Kyle Bradish's time should be here. In the next week or two, I want to see Kyle Bradish in an Orioles uniform. I... He pitched well in one game at Norfolk. Obviously, that doesn't mean much. It's one game. But we know Kyle Bradish is very good. He's right there with D.L. Hall as, as you know, this, this probably the second-best pitcher in the system. He's right there. Um, I know that the Orioles really like him. I mean, they're really high on this guy. And I want to see Kyle Bradish in Baltimore. I don't think you can keep throwing Spencer Watkins out there. And especially now there's going to be another starter that enters this rotation with, with John Means being out. Maybe that guy is Bradish. I sure hope it is. I think Orioles fans... Deserve to see Kyle Bradish in this rotation. I want to see him here in the next two weeks. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't say I disagree with you. I think they'll give him another start or two. Down, down I, I, yeah, I think so. To, to stretch yeah. him out. Yeah. To, to stretch Definitely. him out. And I think that they held him back to build up his innings because they mm-hmm. had plans for him for this year and, and, and sooner rather than later. And same thing with D.L. Hall. I, I yeah. don't put him in the, at the same level as D.L. Hall because I watched D.L. Hall pitch and he's so freaking filthy. I just think that, the, uh, that Bradish has the better command, so he, he profiles more as a long-term starter for mm-hmm. me. So. Yeah, I... I, I I don't think I disagree with you on that one. I, I, I expect to see I expect to see all um Matt Crenister said June or July for Grayson Rodriguez. I expect to see all three of these guys here in June. I, I th- yeah. I, and that doesn't mean that they all yeah. get here in June. I mean I expect that, that that all three of them will finally all be here yeah. by June. And Bradish should be the first one because yeah. Bradish is the he's he I think he's ready. I think Bradish is ready. And if, if I you've think seen they're him all pitch, ready. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I think they could all probably dominate a lot of a lot of hitters in this league at this point. But I, I do think Bradish is the most polished one at this point, where he is just I think he's ready to go. Yeah. Uh, polished. I, I mean, Grayson Rodriguez. He's pretty. The, he's pretty freaking the, polished the, too. The, the yeah. thing about Grayson Rodriguez, 
Um, the thing about Grayson Rodriguez is that they know. They know he's major league ready oh, right yeah. now. They oh, know yeah. that they, they could put him in, in, in the starting rotation right now, and he can get out major league hitters. They know that. They want to build up the innings. Yeah. They want to build up the innings. They want to build up, build up the pitch count. And they went up incrementally, but he threw four innings, then five innings, 61 pitches and 67 pitches. I think his next start, they'll push him up to about 75 pitches, maybe 80. And if, he, if that gets him through six innings, that's a bonus for them. And uh, I I picked June for uh, Grayson Rodriguez's debut. It may be sooner than that. Uh, he, yeah. he's. Uh, you were nervous to see if he gets to Norfolk, and there's some major league guys in, 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 that are that are playing in AAA. Nervous to see how he's going to um, how he's going to fare against them, and he's done nothing but dominate. Yeah, he's absolutely dominated in in 15 innings. I mean, in, in nine innings, 15 strikeouts, one walk, two earned runs. Can I add in one more final thought? Yes, I have one more thing to say. Uh, Luis Barrera, he was put on waivers by the Athletics earlier this week. He is one of the better prospects in their organization. I don't exactly know why he was put on waivers but um in a career lifetime in in the minors he's hit 281 with 26 homers he's a pretty decent outfielder they had they carried dj stewart on this roster so clearly they were willing to go with five outfielders so i would like to see barrera a guy who can play center field guys very very athletic um and has yet to make his major league debut at uh He's a little bit. He's a little bit older. He's born in 1995, uh, which equates to 26 years old, I believe. 27. 27. It's years 2022. Old. Um, unless he hasn't. Unless correct. he has a later birthday. So he should be a guy. I, I I would like to claim off waivers if I was the Orioles. And yeah. they, they do. They do get first crack at that. Um, I'm wrong. Apparently, they outrighted him yesterday. So he did not get claimed. So never mind. Wait a waste my, my, of time. My, my that, final that, thought. My final thought was worthless. That's that's a minute and fifteen seconds. We'll never get. We'll back. never get that one back. We'll, we'll, we'll never get back. How's Shed Long doing? I I have no idea where Shed Long is. I think he's down in extended spring training. Is that where he is? Okay, yeah, uh, makes sense. Um, he, no idea. He didn't get into any games in spring training. He's still coming back. He had that foot injury, right? He had foot surgery. Yeah, I, I think that's a good question for uh, Eric Garfield if we have yeah, him on next yeah. week. We'll, we'll, we'll try and talk, talk, to, talk to Eric Garfield next week, see what's going on with Shed Long. And, um, yeah, I'm looking for the Orioles' bats to finally to finally break out. Mm. Don't know that they're going to do it against Jamison Tyon. That's a really good pitcher. And Nestor Cortez is a good pitcher, too. But I think that— Surprisingly. <laughs> that's that's a guy where if the Orioles can can sit back enough, I think they can really do some damage against yeah. him. So, Agreed. guys, thank you for tuning in to the Batter Round. Had a lot of fun, as always, talking with you all. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles uh, for joining us for his weekly segment. Thanks to Matt Kremnitz here for finally being able to get on the show with us. Always great intel from him. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Thanks to Zach Goodman. Uh, and thanks to me. Thanks to me. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Y- Yahoo for school! Yahoo for me! Wow, that was weird. It's uh, Billy, <laughs> Billy, Billy Madison. Billy Madison. I, I'm yeah. not a fan of that movie. Uh, you wouldn't be. No. Well, because... Anyway, anyway, that's a story. <laughs> that's a story for another day, um, guys. Thanks for tuning in the battle round. Until next week, see ya.